Hey, hey, welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. This episode, we have Ashley from Disology, which I am very, very excited about. Before we jump in, I do want to let you know that the deconstructionnetwork.com is an amazing resource that is free to use that helps people connect with other people locally that are deconstructing. And so most people find this process to be quite lonely, quite isolating. It's even if you keep your friends, you often can't really share where you're at with them. Um, and a lot of people lose their friends, they lose their family, they lose their church communities. Um, and so the deconstructionnetwork.com is a great free resource to go and try and find people in your local area and see if you can connect. Um, and so I do encourage you to check that out. Um, I also just want to mention that we have a private partners discussion group. My, my partners, my Patreons um, have access to this. And for as little as $5 a month, you help support me bring out these podcasts a couple of times a week. You help me talk with people that are going through deconstruction and help them um, put out different resources, all the different stuff that I'm doing. Everything I do is free. Um, and so for as little as five bucks a month, you can really help me pay my bills. Um, I do this full time. Um, and you get the benefit of having access to this private discussion group um, on Discord. We have phenomenal conversations over there, really fascinating. Um, just yesterday, there was a whole bunch of people sharing different music that's helped them going through deconstruction. There was a fascinating conversation about um, polyamory and what do we think about that and has that changed um, due to deconstruction. There was a great conversation about how to communicate with um, friends and family and trying to help them understand the journey you're on. And so um, if you're looking for a small kind of online community um, of people that deconstruct, that might be a great resource for you. Um, but of course, there's never any needs to give or anything like that. But it's just a little thank you from me um, for the people that do support this and keep this podcast and everything I'm doing running um, because... It takes a lot of time. I spend you know five, six hours a day talking with people and helping people deconstruct. These podcasts take two, three hours to record and then I have to edit them and put them out. And so it's, it's a lot of work. Um, and, and unfortunately, that means I can't work another nine to five job. Um, and so I really appreciate your support. You can find out more about supporting me at phildrysdale.com slash partners or uh, patreon.com slash phildrysdale. Anyway, let's get stuck into this weeks this days i guess when you do two a week it's not a week's episode but this day's episode uh with ashley from disology how are you doing you you having a good day otherwise other than your internet woes or uh, woes? <laughs> uh kind of i had so um i actually have four children and okay. today was a difficult toddler day so okay is there other toddler days yes actually but i Foolishly thought, I know I'll potty train my two-year-old before school starts, but that's not going so well. So, right, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll get there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a parent. I'm like, sure, cool, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not the best when it comes to uh, amazing words of wisdom or sympathy or empathy or any of the things that are required for anyone that has a child. Because I'm like, right. I don't know. I know it's uh, I know it's hard. But I don't <laughs> really know. So right, know. <laughs> just be just saying like, oh, it's crap. That is wonderful. Like, thank oh, you I know that very, one hundred percent. Yes, just That's tell me that it's why I don't have them. <laughs> yes, no, I absolutely. <laughs> like so. I am under no impression I would do this well. So uh, you are my hero <laughs> for doing it at all. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh man. That's oh funny. man. Wow. So yeah. four kids, you said. Yes. Wow, that's yes. a lot of kids. We we it were a family a of four as well. Um, and it's, that's a lot of people. I'm an introvert and I was like, 
is a family of one for me you know if, if mm. I could like just avoid all of the people in my family for a day that was like a good day from about age mm. two onwards apparently oh man I was That's just like everyone leave me go away mm. I'm pretty confident that nowadays I'd have been diagnosed autistic or something right but back then that just wasn't really on the cards I guess or I don't right know. I think about that all the time just like how much um like the diagnosis for for like the autism spectrum or even like ADHD and ADD and how there was such a, a narrow understanding of it back when I was like growing up mm-hmm. that it's one of those things too where I'm like oh yeah I definitely think I have ADHD but I was never diagnosed <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. there's probably like I mean there's probably lots of downsides to that I'm sure um mm-hmm. but there's probably some uh, upsides to it as well I'm just checking my door shut yes my wife's asleep, so as many barriers to, between me and the bedroom is always good when I'm chatting to people late at night. So. That makes sense. So what time is it where you are? It's midnight, so it's not too bad, actually. It's still pretty good. So I frequently am up till three plus, maybe four. Um, just working with people in America, there's the time difference at how it works. Um, okay. So midnight's pretty good for me, but I am, I'm going climbing with some friends at 9 a.m., so. Ooh, oh, oh, I'm rough, sorry. It'd be a rough one for me. <laughs> So I frequently do this to myself. So again, I have no kids. I'm in training for having kids, right? Five sure. hours sleep, perfect. That's oh, like a good gosh. night. Five hours? That is right. a great night. <laughs> and it's not piecemeal. It's like five hours. It's just wow. straight five hours. Yeah. I can't even think of the last time I had that. <laughs> I know. I know. Seriously. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yes. I'll, I'll, you know, at some point I won't be laughing about this and I'll be crying about it. But, you know, for now I'll keep laughing. <laughs> all you can do is laugh right yeah absolutely absolutely so how are you feeling about the chat like you, you feeling good yeah I guess yeah for sure I'm just I um I've watched a couple other okay. chats you've done yeah. so I feel like I have a little bit of an idea of sure. kind of like what you do and stuff who did and, you watch um Hallie Kim yeah and right. D Church Girl why can't I think of her name San, uh, Sani yeah Sani. yeah yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Two of the, uh, yeah, just amazing women in this space. So, and I put yeah. you in that bubble as well. And so I'm just working through as many people in this space. As I can, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, you're awesome. Like, I love what you're posting. I love what you're doing. Talk to me for a couple of hours. Like <laughs> yeah. it can't go badly. Right. Um, and so, yeah, no, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, why don't you, um, why don't you kind of just give a kind of overview of maybe who you are or tell me like, how did you get into this kind of space? Cause I, I kind of, I guess I know a little bit through piecemeal of like reading from stories, reading your Instagram posts, maybe some individual chat we've had here and there in, in, in mm-hmm. the DMs and stuff, but I'm sure a lot of people listening to this won't be as familiar with you. Um, some people will, I'm sure I've reposted stuff of yours enough that a lot of people are listening are like, Oh yeah, I've started following this person or probably they've, start following me through you or who knows um there'll be some overlap but there will also be people that are like okay so who the heck is this person for sure um give me an idea of like what what's your background and how did you end up talking about deconstruction faith kind of all that kind of stuff right so when i think about faith deconstruction i think one of the um parts at least for my story is that it's it's non-linear and it doesn't make sense to me even a lot of the time. So um, that is an interesting component of it for sure. But I also think about like um, what drove me to going on Instagram, I think is the same thing that 
a lot of us are kind of go or take to Instagram for is the fact that like I had lost a community. So mm. I was, um, I've been deconstructing probably on and off. Well, I've been deconstructing for six years. Okay. And then about a year ago, I stopped going to my church. And that's when like the pieces just started falling rapidly. And mm. that's when I also took to like Instagram. I had a, a space and a community of people who I could talk to about things, even as I was pushing boundaries, as I was uh, reconfiguring my thoughts and my beliefs, there were still people who were receptive to what I had to say in a space sure. where I could work that out. But the way I left my church kind of like, it's not that they cut me off, but I, I was hurt. And so I cut myself off. I was like, I don't want to be around you people anymore. Sure. So, um, yeah. So I kind of just like, I was like, this is so important to me though. Like just having these types of conversations. Um, so I started kind of posting them on Instagram instead. And it, a lot of it was just like, I just want to scream into the void. <laughs> like I have yeah, all yeah, of yeah. these I get that. thoughts. <laughs> I have all of these emotions. I have, none of it makes sense to me and I just need an outlet. Um, and so it's been interesting to see people like not screaming back, but at least saying, right. yes, me too. I, I feel this way I too. I hear you. you know? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not just crazy, like yelling out insanity. Right. If you are, there's some other insane people going, me too. You know, yeah. that's almost a disconcerting bit where you're like, oh, I'm not alone. And you're like, oh, maybe I should be alone. This is kind of scary. <laughs> like, is this the group that I'm, I'm with there? Um, there, are, yeah. <laughs> there are times where I, I'll like post something, especially this last month for me, I've been just like sitting in difficult emotions and difficult topics. And mm. so to see people engage in that is been interesting to me as well. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, this is actually like so comforting because like I know I'm feeling this intensity during this season and that's so isolating and so lonely. So that like, I'm going to just put this out on the internet and then for somebody to go, wow, yeah, me too. And now all of a sudden that like isolating feeling is gone the intensity yeah. of the grief or the confusion is still there, but the, the lonely and the isolating aspect of it is like gone, you know? Yeah. So that's, even though I don't know these people necessarily, like I only interact with you through a screen, sure. but it's still that just like solidarity. It's you know? so affirming, isn't it? I wow. mean, it really is so, so huge for me. I find that while that's huge, I find it just takes like one or two people and I, I, I get easily one or two people a day to just really put me in a funk if I'm not quite on point. So the person that I can scream out into the wilderness and go, ah, what do people think about this? Or like, ah, what about this? Or whatever. Um, and then I have people going, oh, that's really great. Or me too. I've totally resonate with that. Or that just helps me feel seen. And, or I totally see you in whatever you're going through. And then you have one person going like, ah, you're just a blah, 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 or, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I can deal with that day in, day out all the time. Right. I've, I've got used to it, but if I'm not on point, it can just derail me for the day. And I just think, mm. I feel like crap. I don't even realize until my wife's like, what's up with you? And I'm like, I don't know. And then it's a bit prodding. Like, when did you start feeling down or whatever? And I'm like, ah, oh, it was probably when I read that really mean DM or comment or whatever. Like, do you, do you come across a lot of like crap? Or I guess there's an element of like, you, your page, it's not like a personal page, right? It's very much a, this yeah. is a page about this topic. Yes. So I guess- you haven't dragged over too many people from like a past life into that, have you? No. Right. So when I started, 
I did. So um, another thing too is my involvement with evangelicalism, pretty much the entirety of my adult life was with student ministries. Um, never like as a paid person. I, I didn't really even do the whole college thing because I was such a good evangelical woman that I was like, I just want to get married and have babies. So why do I need an education for that? Wow. So I didn't really go to college, but I've been involved volunteering um, and specifically with teenagers. So mm. I have a lot of teenagers on my personal page um, who follow me and kind of what sparked some of this as well um, was the, like, as I left my church, um, there were a group of girls who ha were having a lot of questions and we were having great conversations and I got cut off from that. So I, I was like, well, I'm going to start putting this over here and then mm. they can follow me here and see that if they want to continue those, some of those conversations with me. So like the very earliest of my postings and my very earliest followers, I had a lot of, I did have a lot of carryover, but it was a lot of young people for the most part. Sure. And it's maybe people that were tracking with you as well on some level. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't get a lot of like the, like the trolling type people, you know, who are like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you did this. And for the most yeah. part, and then occasionally though, I am a little bit protective of this space that I have um, mm -hmm. on my page, on my dysology page, that if somebody does follow me from that life and I even suspect that they could be toxic, I will just block them. I'm like, oh, nope, you don't, you don't need access to this. <laughs> That's so funny. Like yeah. immediately just block them. So yeah. yeah. What is that? Uh, is that a protect the people on your page that are going through this is that a protect yourself is that a thing of like this is not going to be helpful for you anyway like <laughs> what what or a mix or what, what's your thought yeah. process in that I think it's a mix so um yeah I'm trying to think so like recently um so there's a friend I have like in real life who follows this page and she will comment on my posts um and then a mutual friend of ours from a previous church started following me and I alerted her to that because I was like, hey, this has kind of become a safe space for you even to engage mm. these topics anonymously because it's not like a lot of people we know are following this page. And I was like, I just want to let you know that this person started following me. Yeah. And she was kind of like, oh gosh, that does make me feel a little like I can't be as just like off the cuff or what I'm really thinking. Sure. I, I mean, I feel like she's going to like, she'll see those and look over my, so I'm like, I'll just block her. Like, I'll just block her immediately. Yeah. Um, and another time I had a, like a family member actually find the page um, and like an in-law family member, but like find the page and leave a comment that was the, like, I just, I don't think you understood what it meant to be a Christian oh, that, you know, like that whole thing. <laughs> so, and then classic. And it, the classic, the classic response, you know, like, I just don't, I think you missed the point of Jesus. And I was like, oh gosh so I deleted the comment because he's quoting John Piper and I'm like John Piper is a toxic name for a lot of people who follow yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. you know like yeah we, he has his own trigger warning category right <laughs> he really does uh and I like I get it because I was a huge John Piper fan back in the day oh so, we've all been a big fan of John <laughs> Piper at some point right so I was like oh this this comment just needs to be deleted and you need to be blocked because this is a space for people who are going through yeah. this process and it's not 
an easy process. It's difficult, it's emotional, yeah. it's painful, and we don't need people coming in and being judgmental and invalidating our experiences mm. and quoting people at us that we already know what they stand for. We know what they say. You know, Absolutely. we're not. We, we used to post this. We would have posted this if we found this account three years ago. We don't need to read it. Exactly. <laughs> we could have written it. Yeah. No, but it was it, it was jarring for me too to see the comment. So it was like for my own protection and for the protection of like for the people who follow me and I want to save space. Like you just don't need access to this. Like, yeah. No, that makes sense. It's something I wrestle with that a lot. And you'll probably see it on my comments. I let a lot of shit fly. Yeah. Like I really do. And I'll try and engage with anyone as best I can up until a point. If they start becoming really disrespectful, calling names, like, you know, whatever, saying stuff that's really horrific, I'll be like, no. But even then, a lot of times I'll leave that and highlight it because I, mm -hmm. I, I just, I don't know. I just feel like I don't want what I'm doing to be. I almost want to expose because part of what I'm doing is I'm exposing this world. I kind of love it when someone comes along and it's like, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, wow, you just posted my post, but like in a real life drama, you know, right. it's like, you're like, you've read the Phil Drysdale meme. Why don't you come and watch the show? Hi, you know, and he's quoting John Piper and he's saying, you're never really a Christian and whatever. And I'm like, there you go, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, the post, these people exist. And this is what I'm talking about. Um, so that's kind of where I've landed, but I really struggle with it a lot of the times. And, and it does, it, it messes with some people. Like some people have sent me on spirals where they just, they don't stop. And I've had to eventually just go, you know what? I'm blocking you from my mental health. I just can't do it. And I can take a lot. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is, it's a really weird one to navigate, isn't it? Because I also know, you know, you look at someone like um, doing the work of like Joe Lumen. Um, amazing. Right. Um, and I know she can be very quick to be like, no, this is not helpful. You're, you're getting blocked. But on the flip side, that woman is probably the most blocked woman on Instagram, right? I mean, like every evangelical that has ever heard the name Joe Lumen just hits block, <laughs> right? And it's like, in fact, I'll block her before she comments and finds my stuff yeah. just in case she finds me and exposes me for whatever I'm, white supremacy shit I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yes. So, you know, she, she gets blocked so much. And I'm like, I don't ever want to fall into the trap of just blocking people that disagree or you know mm -hmm. I want I want it to be a thing based on some parameter some ethic beyond just like oh we disagree I want it to make be really about something like you're toxic you're hurting people you're you know, that's a, a good reason to block but um mm -hmm. I just know like I mean how many evangelical leaders just like start blocking people the second it looks like they're saying something different or or challenging them and I'm like oh I don't want to be that I think I'm just really paranoid about being that mm -hmm. um which I don't know whether that's true or not. So what was your background growing up? Like you mentioned like a big John Piper fan, like, you know, were you fairly reformed kind of like Calvinistic then or? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. I was, I was big, big reformed for a little while. I've been everything for a little while. So yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I haven't, I have, uh, so um, I well, you were good reformed then. <laughs> I was. Um, I come from a Baptist background and not a reformed Baptist, like a, a fundamentalist Baptist background. Okay. Um, and it's like the generational, like my mom went to this tiny little Baptist church that I went to when I was a little kid and nice. where she went when she was a little kid, where her mom went when she was a little kid. Like yeah. my grandma had the, the church plate in her dining yes. room with all the different like big anniversaries for the church and stuff. Nice. So, like, Did you guys have like a pew with your name on it and stuff? It, we didn't have our name Not on quite. it. We're like country people. 
So it's, we're not uppity about like, but there was a, like my family um, sat in the back right, you know, like okay, that yeah. was- got, You got like an area. Exactly. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, so I went there until I was in about middle school. And then my parents were like, let's go to a mega church in like the suburb. Oh. You know, we live in the country. It's like, let's drive into the suburbs and go to this mega church. Um, and that was a, a Presbyterian, like okay. evangelical Presbyterian church. So evangelical, not mainline Presbyterian, um, but kind of like that more, um, I think Hallie Kim refers to it kind of like that soft evangelical though, you know? Yeah. So, and so I spent the bulk of my youth, then like the adolescent years there um, until I got in college. Whereas then I continued going to the church, but trying to push them in a more reformed, reformed direction. Like I would, I funny. got really reformed during those years and those like the wishy-washiness of the evangelical. Wow. This is during college. You got yes. more extreme. Like, it's, oh you're like the textbook case <laughs> of the opposite of what's supposed to happen. Right. Oh, it absolutely was. I was like, like, uh-oh, if they, they go to college, they're going to backslide, you know, who I, knows what uh, they'll be doing. And you're like, no, 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 no don't worry. No, no, no. I'll be studying MacArthur, Piper, Mark Driscoll, you know, whoever oh, else. Oh my gosh, all of it. All of Dream it. Dream team, right? They're like the <laughs> Avengers of like the gospel it coalition really or whatever. I remember when Mark Driscoll, okay, like, and this is me and my sister who were just complete nerds. Um, but before you could stream sermons, like you, she would get the audio CD of Mars Hill, Driscoll, wow. Mars Hill, like mailed to her. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's next level. It is, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, I blame her for a little bit of this, but um, anyway. But so we go deep dive into reform, like theology and just all of that stuff throughout those years. I dropped out of college, I mean, within two years. She went one year longer than I did, my younger sister. Okay. Um, but then she ended up dropping out as well. And wow. we just were like, we're just going to be really involved in church. Like, that's just what we're going to do. And we're Seems critical. Yeah, we're critical of our like wishy-washy evangelical church, but we're really deeply involved. And everybody knows who we are, even though it's like this couple thousand member church. But they're like, oh, yeah, those sisters. Yeah, we know because <laughs> we're like just a pain in the ass for everybody else. So, so funny. Right? I love it. I love it. You can, the thing is, you can't say reform people are, are like um, dispassionate. I think this, you know, you can you can accuse reform people of a lot of things, but these people, they know what they are building their faith on and they're serious about it generally Absolutely. speaking um yeah. and you gotta admire that on some level i love it i love i remember when i went over even as when i was a charismatic i was like charismatic reformed whatever the heck that is just because i grew up charismatic but i i went really into like reformed when i left my home church my parents and just kind of mm -hmm. went on my own path but i remember i was at bethel church in california right i mean most kind of charismatic crazy like wild yeah. thing right northern california and I do a road trip to Seattle to go to Mark Driscoll's church. So I'm like, that's the kind of the, the, the weird, like finger in each pie kind of like dynamic, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm at Bethel, but I'm also going like Mecca, let's head to like Mars Hill. <laughs> so funny. I love that. I, I don't think of Bethel and Mars Hill as mixing at all. Oh no. And yeah. well, my other hero at the time was Brian McLaren. So, I mean, I was just like, Oh wow. I was like schizophrenic or something. I mean, I was just all yeah. over the place. Uh, like, me and my friends, 
we read Brian McLaren to kind of critique it. You know, like I read when it came out, but as a like, can you believe that this is what people are reading right now? Like and our wishy-washy other college evangelical friends from our church, like, how dare you read Rob Bell? This is garbage, you know, like that's that's what I I would like as yeah 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 that's funny I do that now though I do that now every now and again I'll like I'll just open up like the gospel coalition website or something and oh, flick through yeah. it and be like oh yeah I've got memes for another four days easy absolutely um yeah. it's, it's just very easy fuel to be like whoa wow Christians believe that I forgot that I used to believe right. that but I'd forgotten that somehow I'd forgotten that world I was in and it just recenters you to like the context of Christianity and go, oh yeah, there's people who believe this. I can joke about that very easily <laughs> or I can write about it or I can critique it. or um, So it's quite a helpful thing. I mean, that was something Mark did well, wasn't it? He, he would like like work his way through the shack and why the shack was terrible. And oh, I listened whatever. to that and, Oh, <laughs> I, that's the reason I read the shack though, to be fair. I was like, Mark, this kind of sounds like interesting. I'm going to read it now. And I loved it. Um, but yeah. That was good. So, so you were in, and you were still like, even at college age, you were really into your reform theology. Were you were you married at this point, or were you still single? What, what was going um, on? Yeah, I was still single. So again, going to um, so I I started getting a little bit more involved with the student ministry. So my sister right. gets more involved with the college ministry because I dropped out of school. So I'm like, I feel weird being even though I'm the college age, but I'm not going to college anymore. So I dive in with junior high students as like a small group leader, just like a youth group leader and stuff. And um, and then I start kind of hanging out with this other group of uh, like college age kids who are a few years younger than I am um, because they're also volunteering with the junior high kids. Right. And that's where I met my husband. Um, yeah. Who had like known his siblings for years because I had been involved in the church. So he's one of five and he's the oldest. And then there's like, set of twins and then a set of twins. And so I knew his younger sisters because I was like their counselor at the camp we would go to in the summer. I was their VBS leader. I was, you know, I was his sister's small group leader um, when she was in sixth grade, you know, stuff like that. Wow. So, um, but I never met him until he graduated from high school. Then we finally meet. And then before I would get serious with him. So I'm like 23 and he's like 20. Um, I made him listen to a Mark Driscoll sermon on predestination. Seems legit. All right. I was like, just let me know what you think about this. It's like your version of a prenup. Yeah. like, you got to agree with Mark Driscoll on this one. Yes. This is 100% what happened. And, um, and it, yeah. And he was like, oh yeah, no, I think that's great. I totally, I agree with predestination. I was like, okay, we can be serious now. <laughs> so, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, I just, um, I, I was just had um, uh, Christina from uh, Science Jesus Memes. Are you familiar yeah. with her? Um, oh, I just had her on a podcast. In fact, I just released it like two days ago or something. Um, mm-hmm. But we were laughing because like she was hardcore into like creationism, like hardcore, like so much. Like it was like her jam. Like all she listened to was like, you know, the Hovid like tapes and all that different stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet she got married to her husband, not really fully knowing that he didn't really like believe that overly and i'm like can you imagine being like that passionate about something and i'm not thinking to run that by or whatever but like so i i'm i'm more of the mentality like you you know what i mean like i'm like i'm like all right here's the deal here's my favorite speaker mark driscoll here's three sermons you listen to them you don't agree with them you're out it's your choice 
you change your mind I don't mind but you're going to believe this if we're going to be together like that was kind of like my intensity Uh, certainly around 23 are you kidding like I was black and white there was one way to see the world and it was this way which was right um have my heroes whoever they were um Mark Driscoll probably was one uh he appeals to a 23 year old you know what I mean he appeals to that like young 20s like oh man I I love that you loved Mark Driscoll it makes me so happy (laughs) So I feel like Mark Driscoll appeals to a 23-year-old male. Um, I don't feel like there are as many young women who were like standing Mark Driscoll back in the day. Like, oh my gosh, yes, this toxic masculinity. Yes, please. I would like more of that. I have no idea. You not think that there's a dynamic. So, and I may be wrong on this, but I I mean, I remember I spoke to um, Hallie Kim about this and and a few, I've spoken to many people about it, but there's this weird dynamic of... um, it feels like um, almost like an institutionalization of women where when they exist in that concept of toxic masculinity for long enough, they almost become some of the strongest cheerleaders for it in a weird mm-hmm. sense. Oh, um, and I, and that's why I would see when, certainly when I was, um, when I visited like Mars Hill in, in Seattle, or I was in my reform settings, you know, even in a reform church. And I was like in a youth group of about hundred kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I was like, 18, 19 at this point. So maybe coming, coming out and as the leader or whatever, but a lot of the other girls were like hardcore, like some, sometimes much more than the men. The men were like, oh, I kind of like a slightly stronger, more powerful woman that was a bit less subservient on some level. And the women are like, how dare you? Don't you dare. I will submit to you. You know, it's like, uh, wait, right. well, uh, okay. Like what's happening? I don't know. Um, so you want me to submit? No. So you wanting to submit like, I don't know. Um, But it's weird. There is a dynamic there at play on some level where, um, where for some reason, I just, it it, it seems so insidious. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's like an abuse victim kind of explaining why it's okay for them to be abused. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. these kind of like weird kind of um, systemic oppressions that people end up falling into and they internalize that kind of world. Um, where they almost become some of the strongest ardent supporters of it like okay. maybe something like that you had been like you know were you were you aware of that being a very toxic masculine kind of concept or world or were you a little blind to that at the time um I was aware probably somewhat to it but I'd been on a like diet of the patriarchal view of evangelicalism for so long that mm. I really did believe that, but this is how God designed it. So it can't be toxic. Everyone is like in the secular world is like, oh, this is toxic. But I'm like, clearly you don't understand because if right. this was toxic, then God would not have designed it this way. Yeah. Um, so I was like fierce complementarian. I would have argued for complementarianism like until I was blue in the face. Um, I would walk out if a woman was, pe- was speaking, you know, cause like my wishy-washy evangelical church did have a woman on staff who would speak frequently. And I was like, Oh, I just can't believe it. You know, and I, <laughs> I know exactly. Um, and I would, I remember being early married even and debating my husband on why I didn't believe women should be in leadership where he was like, kind of taking the opposite position. Like, well, I don't understand why. And I was like, so I have to like sort through like he's like well what if it's not in the church can she be in leadership in other roles you know and I'm like trying to think about it because I think at the time like thinking back on this like debate I had when I was 23 um I think my husband recognized that I was like this really strong independent 
fierce woman and I'm like advocating that I shouldn't be in leadership. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. It's really funny. The, the idea <laughs> that you are, you are teaching him why you shouldn't be teaching. Like the woman is teaching the man why women shouldn't teach and only men should teach. I'm like, that's an amazing dynamic. Like that's a comedy sketch or something, you know? And yet that's just reality. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so funny. But he saw maybe in you, um, a little bit of a person that wasn't able to be fully free in their own identity. And, but, you know, he, he saw you as a strong, powerful woman who was in a system that wouldn't let you fully be a strong, powerful woman, I guess. on some I, level. Yeah. I do think to an extent we've never actually talked about that is like mm-hmm. the sort of thing, like, as I'm talking to you about it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I think he realized that. Um, but it is a dynamic that after we both deconstructed, we're like looking back. And it's like, we both would have said we were complementarians, but never has our marriage ever been complementarian. You know, it's like, I have always taken a more leadership role because that's just my personality and it's not his. (laughs) So it's like really interesting that it was like, we knew what we was expect. We knew it was expected out of us, and we were pretending to play our parts. But at the end of the day, it like it wasn't either of us. And because the marriage had to function, you know, it was like, well, I will just I will take this and lead, and I'm passionate about this, and I want to go in this direction, and I think that this is important. I'm vocal about this, and I'm, you know, like very animated and excited and he's just really laid back. So it was like he's like, okay, cool, yeah, we'll do that. That works, you know. But it was like we had fooled ourselves into thinking, but we were doing the complementarian thing, but we're like, he's leading, he's making the choices, you know, but like, no. <laughs> That's so funny. It's, it's weird. It's weird to me. I don't know many marriages personally, and I, and I know a lot of people that have been married over the years. Mm-hmm. I don't know many that really walk that dynamic out, have this weird kind of like passive, like, woman that's basically property that walks around and does whatever her owner tells her kind of right I mean this is when these kind of texts were written that is what the woman was on some level um and I don't know many relationships that fully fall into or even partially massively fall into a dynamic of the woman it's like okay yeah master you know like I'll do whatever you want you know if we have an argument well ultimately it's whatever you say like most healthy marriages that seem to work and function don't do that and yet there is this kind of like um awkwardness in the in a lot of christianity where we can't really talk about that or acknowledge it because we are kind of portraying this component of like well good man a manly man is this kind of idea of what a manly man a godly husband or whatever is this powerful strong dominating kind of force and the, and a good godly woman is a woman that sits around and kind of like does whatever her husband says and mm-hmm. you know cooks and cleans and whatever um the proverbs 31 woman even if the proverbs 31 woman is running about eight businesses and like is a exactly. freaking boss um <laughs> but let's ignore that um yeah. it's just it's just a weird dynamic isn't it because it feels like we're just not really kind of acknowledging the way that most marriages actually operate um yeah. I, yeah. I 100% feel like, and this is a big part of like where I am now reflecting back and just trying to make sense of everything. Um, but it is, it's like, we use the words, like evangelicalism provides you a script that you're supposed to learn and, and play your part, you know, and everyone knows what their part is. 
But the problem is we're saying the words, but our actions don't line up with it. Like very mm -hmm. rarely do they line up with what we say we believe, but we know all the right stuff. I've memorized by my role. I know exactly what I'm supposed to say, what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to like think about this. But when it, at, when it comes to how I'm actually kind of existing in this space, like in my marriage or when I was in as a volunteer or whatever it was, I wasn't actually doing the thing that I said I was doing. And I think yeah. that creates such a weird reality for people who are in evangelicalism. And it's like, like understanding that there's a disconnect from our language to our actions, which is a fundamental human thing is that yeah, your language shapes your reality. And so when there's a disconnect between your language and your reality, that it's, you can make yourself believe all sorts of crazy things that, that mm. just are completely illogical that most people would be able to say, no, that's illogical. But yeah. because of that disconnect, I think this is my theory. Um, it, you can fool yourself into thinking, oh no, it makes perfect sense, you know? Mm. So. Yeah. so how did you go from um, being this passionate, full-on reformed, um, you know, leader in the youth, uh, a good submissive wife, once you talked your husband into dominating, um, you know, um, how did you go from that into starting to deconstruct? Like what, what were some of the, the pillars that started to come tumbling down for you that kind of like started that process? Yeah. So, um, there are a few, there are little things that looking back and I'm like trying to figure this all out. Mm. Um, that I'm like, I can see a few fissures that happened you know so like um one my husband and I so passionate about Jesus and so passionate about um being on fire for for doing all these things so we get married we live in the suburbs and then we moved into the city like that inner city mission-minded sort of thing so we do that um and that we thought everyone was doing this like all of our friends were like oh my gosh yes the city is where jesus is right now we all need to move into the city so that we can just like bring the light of jesus so my husband and i did it and then nobody else did bastards <laughs> i knew it i knew I how that was gonna right. end i'm like i know i've got like yeah i, I i'm ready for this story no. to go terribly no. and all your friends to just <laughs> totally like it's that thing of like everyone take a step forward if you want to volunteer and everyone takes a step back apart from mm -hmm, you and you're left mm -hmm. you've took a step like, forward even yeah. wow so, so we watched all, yeah we our whole community kind of settle into the suburbs and we were like oh no we're settling into the city though and so we had to find new community so that was probably one of the big ones and we we ended up going to a charismatic um assemblies of god church wow. we were not charismatic like that's a that's a twist for like all. for the the reforms that's like a, yeah. it's a different option you know i don't i don't know they were so friendly like just the nicest group of people i think we've ever met and the real appeal is that it was a bunch of young people mm. who lived in the suburbs or had lived in the suburbs and had moved into the city so we're all white um mm -hmm. and we're all going to this church in the city though so we're like this hip young cool trendy church so even though the theology doesn't line up with what me and my husband believe, and we have discussions about this, we're like, well, theologically though, I really disagree with them. And it's like, but it's a great community and we, they love Jesus. So let's do it, you know? Wow. So we get really involved. And for like a 
a couple of years. I'm like, yeah, it's so great going to church where theologically I don't agree with them because it just sharpens my own theology. You know, it's like, I have to think when I'm at church, I can't just, you know, agree mm. with the pastor. I have to like really think about what he's saying. Do I think that's right? Or where did he, you know, go? Very critical. Um, but we get really, really, really involved. I end up running the nursery. My husband's in the worship band. And then, um, and I'm really good friends with the other, I'm a mom at this point. I had my first kid uh, while we were going there. Um, actually, I had my first two kids while we were going there. So I'm really close with the other moms. And I'm listening to these marriage stories. Now, Assemblies of God are not complementarian. They're egalitarian. Mm -hmm. They have women leadership. But their marriages were so complementarian, like more complementarian than my complementarian believing friends. It was so weird. Um, and so we women would sit around and commiserate about our marriages, but I wouldn't. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening right now. And I would like then go home and talk to my husband about it. He'd be like, all oh, their husbands seem like such jerks. Like, and, and that's when I'm like starting to piece together. We're not in a complementarian marriage. That's yeah, why, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's because we're not. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Am I a feminist? <laughs> like, <laughs> like earth-shattering, like like realization. That's so like, funny. I can't be a feminist, you know. Like, but I'm like, but I think I am. <laughs> so, so that was a big one. And then um, I actually miscarried, and that was mm. not only so like we're at this church, we're really involved. We're starting to get really frustrated because there are many elements to it that we no longer believe in. You know, it's like, we didn't believe in it theologically when we started going, but now we're seeing the marriages are kind of toxic. So, which kind of breeds a bit of a more toxic environment for the whole church, the, especially the head pastor and his wife were kind of seeking, like taking over more positions. So there was less diversity, even of thought and and speakers and it was like Ooh, I don't know you know so we're like kind of trying to get out actually and we find this house church um that meets down the road from where we live in the city um it actually met in Jack White from the White Stripes do you know it met yeah. in his childhood home so I mean wow. going from one cool hipster trendy church to like another cool hipster like nice. smaller and more hipster trendy church um and as we're in transition, we're like talking with the leadership of the AG church, moving into the house church. The week that we left this church, which had become our community, to become fully immersed in this house church, I miscarried. And it was like a later miscarriage too. So I was like, I had to go to the hospital. Um, I was like in the hospital for a couple of days and I like came home, turned 30 two days later. No, I came home and turned 30 the next day. And it was like, I don't even know what happened. Like, I'm not a part of this church anymore. I just said goodbye to all my friends and I'm supposed to go be a part of this church, but I don't really know these people that well. And I have no idea what's going on, you know, sort of a thing. So yeah, it was just a really lot. kind of, it was a lot. It was a lot of change and a lot of transition and a lot of heartbreak. Um, and then my husband starts reading Rachel Held Evans blog posts. Wow. <laughs> um, and apparently she's making sense to him. <laughs> Whereas I'm still fiercely reformed. The house church that we're going to be a part of is really reformed, which is part of the reason wow. why we're making that transition. Um, yeah. And so 
I think like a month, a month in, we're like going for a walk with our kids, like pushing my kid in the strollers. And, um, and he turns to me and he's like, I don't think I'm reformed anymore. Wow. <laughs> and I just started crying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this was it. Like, I mean, you're, you're flashing back to like, you know, before you get together and you're like, I made you commit to our Lord and Savior, Mark Driscoll. And now you've turned your back. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Oh, yes. Yeah. This, that, that must have been like, I mean, full on, right? I mean a very like scary kind of intense kind of thing because it's one thing to go to a church and be like ah the past is a bit of a crazy kook but like you know we've got some friends here and we have our own theology we can keep listening to mark driscoll and john piper at home and you know come along here and do worship and nursery and whatever and have friends and connect but when it's your partner right father of your kids whatever it's turning around and going I don't think i kind of like this rachel held ovens kind of approach better or whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, that's you know what, what, what were your thoughts? How did you navigate that? <laughs> so I remember so vividly that moment and I literally just stopped and started crying in my head <laughs> because even though maybe within that last year, I'm like, we're not complementarian. I am mm-hmm. a feminist. Like even though those thoughts are there, it's divorced from my beliefs still, you know, like I'm still so ingrained in this idea of male headship and all this other stuff so when he said that to me my immediate thought was but if you're the leader of the house (laughs) oh no then you're gonna drag us all down this path you know and it's like oh my gosh and we have kids now and like what is that gonna mean and we're not gonna be on the same page we're gonna disagree about this and and i can't challenge your headship and i think it was by the time i went to bed that night though it was like hi you're a feminist it's okay. You can take the reins. Like you can lead. You don't need to follow him. That's so funny. If you disagree, you can go a different path. <laughs> this is amazingly like so weird because you have this, I have to submit to him, but he's holding a position of not needing me to submit. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I want to submit to him. Ah, but I don't have to submit to him because I'm a <laughs> feminist. So I can now force myself to be submitted to like I'm like what is happening here this is like amazing it was a very weird so thing. good it's so good but I think it, it's funny because like these are the sort of thought processes that are are so natural and normal mm-hmm. when we're stuck in these kind of um boxes that don't have options right you don't have an option this is the way that God is and this is how the Bible is and this is and you end up doing these kind of like, you just end up in a bit of a dissonance where you have to find the right solution and you can't maybe see the, the, the components of like, this is not making sense anymore. You'd almost be better just to kind of take a step out and go, okay, what do I really want to do? Who, yeah. who am I? What's going on? Like, what would be the best for my marriage? Or what would, you know, like, but you, you're so, we get so trapped in these boxes Mm-hmm. When we're in this kind of the, uh, theological framework of, of faith is ticking all the right boxes and there's only certain right boxes. There's certainly a lot of wrong boxes. And if you tick the wrong ones, you burn forever and eternity. Like that's a scary way to try and navigate everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it's, it's fascinating because listening to you say it now, I'm like, this is amazing. Cause it's like, it's just, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? How we see people's uh, cognitive dissonance. We see other people's, we don't see mm-hmm. our own. We don't see how we're, 
trying to fit everything in um and people may be looking at us going but that doesn't make sense and you're like no Mm -hmm. no it makes perfect sense this is the only sensible option right now Mm-hmm. um it's fascinating really really yeah. fascinating sorry I'm interrupting you but no that's fine um, it's so interesting mm-hmm. but at the time I still like it's still a painful thing to me because I still I'm nowhere near that I'm like I may have realized through going to a egalitarian church okay well maybe women can lead and maybe I am a little bit more of a feminist maybe I always have been and I just wasn't using the right language I was a feminist but labeling it something else um but now he's using the wrong labels Mm. and as much as I'm like I can lead my children down this different path and I I don't have to follow him down that path I can go this direction because that's what's right for me still um but it's still what it felt like because um, evangelical marriages are codependent frequently too so there was a bit of like heartbreak in that because it was like like I had pictured that when you get married you know you build a faith like a house of your faith and you move in together and then it was like and then all of a sudden he decided I don't like this neighborhood and I don't like this house and so he like moves out to the beaches of universalism and I'm like what I would I want to stay in the reformed neighborhood (laughs) like so, and as much as I could acknowledge that the concerns he had were valid and I could see it. So I'm like, okay, I see all the repairs that need to be done. I can see that it's old and rickety and that a lot of this is outdated, but I want to rebuild. I don't want to move. I want to rebuild. So, um, so that's actually more like what I did. Whereas, uh, so when he deconstructed, this is like six years ago it was so fast and furious. You know, he was like, no, it's falling apart. I don't want to be a part of this. And I just am out here and I can finally breathe. Mm. And I feel this massive burden has been lifted. And like, I'm so happy to be done with it. And I'm like clinging to a structure that is falling apart around me. Um, Yeah. So we're at this tiny little house church that's reformed. We're actually living in an old house that's falling apart, which is part of the reason why that metaphor, I'm sure, came to my head. Um, and we are looking at a lot of repairs. Wow. Um, I, you know, I'm still recovering from having miscarried like a year before that. And we're like, let's just move. <laughs> let's just sell our house and let's move. And we did with no plan, with like wow. literally no plan. Our household immediately. I've got two kids. I'm pregnant with my third and we're like, okay, so now what do we want to do? Um, and we end up settling back into the city, but in a different neighborhood. Um, and we end up back at our childhood church. Oh. So, yeah, so we're back at this evangelical Presbyterian church in the suburbs, a couple thousand members. And I'm like, if we're going to be here, I want to go back with students. I love teenagers so much, you know? Um, so I start getting back involved with student ministries. We're throwing our kids back in the, the children's ministry, which I mean, I had been on staff in children's ministry when I was like 19. I, I volunteered in children's. And I'm like, oh, I remember working in this classroom and now I'm dropping my child off here. You know, his whole family goes there. My whole family goes there. It's like kind of felt like a little bit of a homecoming. It was a nice place to kind of recover from all of that stuff. Um, but this is, 
Okay, good, so, good time. Yes, election is on the horizon, right? It's, um, mm -hmm. I, I'm leading a group of junior girls who are high schoolers, uh, you know, obviously junior girls. Um, they're my small group and they're really progressive kids. And I'm like, where did you all come from? I've got one girl who's like, oh, I am pro-choice. And I was like, how are you at an evangelical church and pro-choice? Like that's yeah. an accident. This doesn't exist in this space. Like I'm confused, but because like, you know, my husband had deconstructed and I'd been working on repairing this structure for so long, so much of my theology without me fully realizing it had shifted mm. way more progressive. Like I had kind of started letting go of all the really reformed stuff. I'm no longer listening to John Piper and Mark Driscoll. Plus Mark Driscoll had a big falling out. Yeah. I mean, he, he was not on, he was not big deal at 2016. Yeah. No, not at all. No. So it's like, I'm already pulling into a more, you know, less intense kind of progressive faith and being at a like kind of wishy-washy evangelical church feels like a safe place to be, you know, like, mm. I can have, I can be a feminist here and it's not that big of a deal, you know, and I can be like. Said the person very quickly about to become an ex-youth pastor. Um, I've met many a youth pastor that has said those words and uh, generally speaking, parents don't like that person. But anyway. So, so the youth, okay. And to like understand how involved my husband and I were before we left this church when we moved into the suburbs, right? So we meet at this church, we marry at this church. I've, we both grew up in this church. Um, his dad is an elder. His mom has been a deacon on and off. His sisters and him have been on staff before. I have been on staff in a like secretarial sort of position. I've volunteered sure. there since they allowed me to volunteer there, you know? So um, the youth pastor is a friend of ours, you know, like, we have hung out at his house and had parties and, you know, sort of thing. So I know where the youth pastor is and what he believes and he's somewhat progressive. So okay. I feel safe to be a volunteer and be somewhat progressive. And like um, my approach was like, I'm not going to tell you what to think because I've done that in the past and I'm carrying a lot of guilt about that, you know, because I'm like, oh gosh, things I've said to girls. <laughs> yeah. But instead, I'm going to ask you guys questions. And I really want to open up this space for you to really think about it. And I found like a group of girls who were like 16 who were already really progressive, already feminist, already yeah. pro-choice, like already kind of asking these questions. So just kind of facilitating conversations for them. And then 2016 election, uh, Donald Trump is a, all of a sudden our president. And I'm, I'm in the perfect place. I know that my church mirrors the statistic. I know 81% of these people voted for Donald Trump and that's really difficult for me, mm -hmm. but I am in a place where the girls who I'm mentoring are grieving, you know? Yeah. And where the youth leader is coming to church with a safety pin on his shirt, which was a thing that was happening amongst youth, especially to say, I'm a safe person, you know? like. The election did, a lot of people felt emboldened to be hateful, to be violent yeah. and to do that. And so he's coming to church with a safety pin where I'm like, well, I can come to church with a safety pin and I, like nobody is like, if the youth pastor- Yeah, me, they're going to fire him before they fire me. Exactly. And you can't fire, I'm not- You can't I'm a fire volunteer anyway, you whatever. <laughs> you <know? laughs> 
but yeah, I think that wow. he saw he saw the writing on the wall. <laughs> yeah, well, he may have written on the wall by doing that. To be fair, <laughs> super good point. <laughs> wow, that's intense. It's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. It's a lot. Um, yeah. but so while he's on staff, I'm pushing boundaries. I'm, I mean, really pushing it. Um, because I know he'll go to bat for me. He's my friend. I know where he stands. Um, and I know that he will go to bat for me, but then he resigns. <laughs> and, and they hired up going to bat for you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I just want to get away from her. Because like, this job was my job fine until she ball. showed up. And now I'm just constantly having to. <laughs> I've never been an easy person to be around. I always make everybody. I don't claim to be one of them either. It's no fun. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not at all. Um, and we get a new youth pastor. And like, um, I'm pregnant with my fourth child. Wow. <laughs> so it's, I know it's so much. So this is like two years ago, right? Maybe three. I don't know. Okay. My daughter is two. So somewhere in there. Um, yeah. And he's from the South and he's more conservative, but he's a great guy, you know, and um, I rein it in a little bit, you know, I'm like, okay, I know where the boundaries and the borders are. And, sure. you know, that group of girls who were juniors when Donald Trump was elected are now, um, they're in college actually, mm. you know, and one of them is helping me lead now a group of eighth grade girls. And, um, yeah. And so like, that's where we are. And, um, and then like, my sister-in-law is on staff with student ministries. <laughs> there's it's just, it's a lot. There's a, there was a lot happening. Um, I end up going on a conference with the, the staff of the church um, for where their curriculum is, this big conference in Georgia. They pay for me to go, pay for my hotel room, you know, and it's like, uh, I'm teaching on a regular basis in student ministry. So even though this new leader is more conservative. I know he doesn't have my back like, you know, the old pastor mm -hmm. did. Um, but I'm like, you know, chummy. I'm hanging out with his wife. He's got kids who are around the same age as my kids. And we're like hanging out. He's, he's giving me opportunities to teach. And I would blatantly teach a week after him and give a counter narrative. I'd be like, without pulling his examples, but in a way where you knew I was like, I disagree with your last message. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, and and I'm but I'm rapidly deconstructing at the same time. Yeah. So it, and it got really messy because my sister-in-law's on staff, who I love tremendously, um, and it's it's complicated because now I'm like, okay, I'm starting to push this boundary because. I'm feeling convicted about this stuff. And I, I think mm. a lot of what we teach is toxic to these girls. Yeah. And I, I'm reading all the books and I'm, I know the statistics and I know the information that is just they need. And I don't want to withhold that from them, but I also know I'm going to get in trouble. I have a girl in my small group whose mom is, no, her dad's an elder and they're very conservative, you know? And it was yeah, the, yeah. Head, the head pastor's daughter was in my small group too. <laughs> So oh, man. I know I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm just going to, I know I'm going to get in trouble. And yeah. now it's getting a little bit like messy because my sister-in-law could get in trouble and I don't want her to get yeah. in trouble. Um, but I also don't want to 
like be dishonest with these girls, you know? Yeah. And again, I'm, I don't want to give them information, but I want them to be able to talk about this stuff. And yeah, I want them, absolutely. and I want them to see multiple sides of the argument. Like, I don't want to just say, this is what you have to believe. I want to be like, yeah. okay, well, yeah, this is why your parents believe this. And I'm going to point out the scriptures to you. And I'm going to tell you where this comes from and, and why they believe this. But there are a lot of other Christians who are very thoughtful and who love Jesus and they think this way and they yeah. look at it this way and they have these Bible verses and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I think it's just really important that you guys, you know, I want you to go home and, and read your Bibles. I want yeah. you to, you know, pray about it. I want you to, you know, what, what makes sense to you? What is the Holy Spirit convicting you? You know? Yeah. And so I'm it's like, what do yeah, you so and i'm just really interested and i think this is a good point to ask it i'm i've been i thought it a few times and i'm like no we should ask it because i'm really intrigued when i i know when i was a kid and when i was a youth i had my moments for sure but on the whole i was like a good passionate christian and there was one thing you believed as a christian and you believed that and you were that was it and you kind of got locked in right you end up like passionate about mark driscoll or whatever or you know but you know, people are going to purity balls and buying purity rings and like, i mean it was just like that kind of world um in my experience even when going into very conservative environments in conservative parts of the world i was in georgia at the beginning of this year and louisiana and like you know very conservative both in rural areas within those um states um very conservative areas and mm -hmm. yet when i came across a teenager in some of those conservative areas in those conservative families and, mm -hmm. and it feels like the 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 whole game has changed mm -hmm. like where when i was a kid my access to information my access to the world how i saw the world like the world wasn't as globalized you know like things have changed so much that in my experience and again it is limited um especially from all the way over here in europe um but it feels like conservative kids aren't so conservative anymore and mm -hmm. it sounds like you're you're seeming to allude to some of that component being at play with some of these young girls that you're you're talking with these juniors eighth graders you know mm -hmm. like maybe not being so black and white well this is the way it is maybe that's partly you're doing maybe um but or is it is it not or am i picking up on something that's just a real component that you were experiencing in in your work with youth because i'm really intrigued by that because I do wonder if that cycle is going to break quite easily mm -hmm. um, in the next kind of generation or two. I, I, I mean, wrong. I think so. One. Um, so since I was in college, the the leaders that be of evangelicalism have been bemoaning the fact that the numbers go down for college age students, right? Yeah. And normally, um, everyone's like, "Oh, well, don't worry, they'll come back when they have kids," right? So the millennial generation hits college, they stop going to church, you know, some of them stay really involved or they, but then they eventually kind of sort of fall away. Well, now they're getting to be the age where they should be coming back to church and they didn't. Nope. And so evangelicalism has been trying to figure this out for over a decade. Like I've been on in meetings, I've been reading the books, I've been on church leadership where they've been talking about this specific problem. Like how do we get the millennials back, you know, because we're losing them. The numbers have constantly been going down for the millennial generation. So something even started happening with the millennials, to be honest. And I think a lot of millennials just didn't like, 
faith just wasn't inside the church anymore. Like it, it's just, the church was too constricting. And so we found something outside of that and just kind of ran with it. The numbers for Gen Z are so much worse than they it's were. Staggering. It's, it's staggering. Oh, it's, it is exactly. And so it's so interesting because I hear, I've heard on both sides, like we need to be really worried about this and how do we get Gen Z back and how do we get these kids passionate? And you know, you'll hear people argue, oh, but the ones who are here are so much more passionate and so much more involved than any of the previous generations were. And then you have other people who are like, oh, they'll come back. This is just a normal part of development. You know, like they're young, they need to figure it out, but they'll come back to the church in time. I actually think that um, that Gen Z and that, that kind of like downward slope was not going to be, um, it wasn't going to change. I don't think the church has figured out how to like incentivize or change to bring these people back in. So that was going to stay, but I think 2016 accelerated that rate. I think that um, for millennials and Gen Z after 2016, a bunch of them just left. And the churches, instead of paying attention and listening to these people, they're doubling down, you know, like, they're endorsed like never Trumpers from 2016 are endorsing Trump now. Yeah. I just I don't. So they're not. Do you think interested. that's a thing of like the, the, those kids are? Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, I, I'm just wondering. So do you think it's that those kids were maybe starting to become a bit more progressive than maybe their parents? You know, the, that generation, maybe the prior generation of millennials, even they were becoming more a bit more progressive a bit more liberal maybe they're raised on netflix and i don't know tumblr you know like or whatever like makes you a bit more liberal for if you're gen z um i know neither of those have helped me become more conservative um but and and then it's the exposure of because there's almost a capacity where you could be in a soft evangelical church and be a kid growing up in that and be a little bit liberal bit progressive you know have some of more um uh different views than maybe uh, some of the the other people in the church 80 odd percent apparently um and then having that kind of thrown in your face because it really throws it in your face those election years i remember being in america for two election years um for the two uh terms obama was voted in and yeah. both years the church were actively pushing from the front you need to vote for the republican candidate he is the godly choice I mean, even when they were um pushing uh, romney and they were like romney is a godly christian man i know they say he's a mormon but that he's a christian and obama is not he's a muslim and i'm like obama's a christian and romney's a mormon and you hate mormons yesterday now you yes. love them because yeah. what he's white or he's just not obama or what, what's the deal anyway so like it became that for me i was like whoa here's some stuff going i was like this shit's racist it's like it's very right wing it's very like it's nationalistic it's whatever it is it's not just god told me this guy um mm -hmm. and and so that to me like kind of highlighted it much more than i was aware generally being in that environment as someone that just being european i was always going to be more liberal and more radically left than the average person in america our mm -hmm. right wing more left wing than you know your left wing um, you know it's just like, not quite maybe but especially not these days um so I, i'm just wondering is that a component where you know do you think 2016 pushed these kids into a more 
progressive liberal whatever stance or do you think it was that 2016 exposed to these kids just how right-wing or different the church was to them yeah i think it was more i think it was more exposed than um anything else so I think that, again, you mentioned it, you mentioned this already that like the age of information is so different. When I was in high school, I didn't have a computer in my pocket at all times. You know, like if I wanted to look up something I had to like, some people didn't even have personal computers, honestly, when I was in high school, but like, so you have to have a computer, you have to have an internet connection. And if you do have internet, it's dial up and it takes yeah. a long time. You got to wait for your mom to get off the phone. Exactly. You're like <laughs> looking up, ask Jeeves, you know, because yeah. like, Google isn't even a big thing yet yeah. for me. I mean, I'm getting a little bit older, but um, yeah. Whereas like kids today, you can say something and they'll be like, oh, let me take out my phone and look that up yeah. right now. I will fact check you before you finish your <laughs> sentence. Yes. Don't even try me person. Exactly. <laughs> and they'll be able to find a variety of opinions on it too, you know? So, um, so I think that that, has caused like a fundamental shift in a lot of these kids that were just a little bit more progressive because of the fact that like information that just wasn't available to me when I was younger is available to them. I mean, I think even about like the Black Lives Matter protest and how much more information there is on white supremacy. Oh my gosh, I never even heard the word white supremacy when I was in high school. This is not a conversation that was being had at all. I had a, like um, my high school mascot was the Redskins. You know, like we're a very white country little city, you know, that, yeah. uh, and it was hotly debated whether or not it should be getting rid of. And people, I mean, like, no, this isn't racist, you know, like that's just the world that I was raised in. I just don't feel like these kids are raised in that same world. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem with the church is the internet and especially the technology we have now has completely altered our reality and the church refuses to acknowledge that or admit it and I, I would say it's actually like two things I think birth control and the internet we are talking about a completely different world than the one my grandparents and even my parents had you know Absolutely. like and and the church is it just um it unless they can acknowledge that the world is different like they're not going to be able to kind of get people back like these younger more progressive thinking kids because it's not the indoctrination doesn't work as well when you can fact check it in real time. You know, it's like, yeah. well, I don't know. I saw that Rachel Held Evans doesn't believe in hell, you know, sort of a thing. So you can't even threaten me with that anymore. Like I don't even believe it. So, mm. so I think the biggest component though, for the younger kids though, has more to do with sexuality. I think a lot of them, again, are not raised with this strict heteronormativity that we were, they were exposed to of sexual spectrum. And I think a lot of them themselves identify on the sexual spectrum and not yeah. like on the polar ends. And now they're hearing that the, their sexuality is simple and it just, that is a big disconnect for these kids. So, and, and I think 2016, again, I don't think it's that, I think it exposed to these kids, but it was really bad. Cause I, the thing I hear the most from people is it's, I went to church, I heard about Jesus. They told me that he loves everybody, you know, and that, um, He's this great loving God and, and, and they say, everyone is welcome here. They're like, everyone's welcome here. Especially if you're in like one of those evangelical churches, like, oh, everyone's welcome here. But then you have a kid come out as queer and that narrative changes so fast. And it's like yeah, whiplash. Absolutely. And then for 81% of the people who you go to church with to support Donald Trump, 
I think it's, it's with like, I, it's a bait and switch. I thought this was the thing, you know, and now you're exposing that it's not, that was not the thing at all. I thought it was about Jesus and love and community and, and like, uh, social justice. Like, that's what I thought it was. And now it's about power and control and domination and the patriarchy and heterosexism and all of this other stuff. And it's like, whoa, 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 that's not what I signed up for. So with the younger generation, I think that is a big thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just really, it's just fascinating to me. Uh, it gives me a lot of hope. It gives me, me a too. lot of hope. Me um, too. That worst case scenario, as long as we don't ruin the planet, which we are doing really well at, we'll just all die and everything will get better because we'll not be here. Um, you know, I mean, I'm even going to lump myself in that group. <laughs> I probably a whole bunch of screwed up beliefs that I've not figured out either yet. But like, I do look at the younger generation and go, gosh, no, it's not to say that every progressive idea is a progression in the right way. It's not to say right. that every left is better than the right or whatever. Like, and I'm not um, trying to get into that kind of dualistic, you know, like, oh, look at this and look at that and us, them or whatever. Um, but it's a natural progression. It is, it is the progression we're seeing in the world and, and in the younger generation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for the most part, I think a lot of it's probably a really healthy, positive direction. Oh, I agree. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that the church is just so static. You know, I think the problem that, 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 um, the church has is like you're saying they can't acknowledge that the world is changing because or they can acknowledge that the world is changing but they they, they need to see change and progression as evil because mm. their standard for what is good their standard for what is holy is a very fixed rigid point in time and that point in time is i mean at best two thousand years ago probably realistically about three and a half thousand years ago most of it um mm -hmm. and so for the church everything for everything to be right and for people to be holy and for you know people to be in right relationship with god we have to like almost look back in time and move backwards mm -hmm. to be moving in the right direction and so they're just completely unable to go even if you go well the world's changed they'll be like yeah but it went the wrong direction mm -hmm. it went away from you know going back to the garden of Eden or to the law of Moses or to, you know, however they perceive the early church was or, or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, I don't see an option until they're willing to put down that fixed rigid point in the past as the goal. I don't see an option for the church to be an option for the future for, 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 for our next generations. Cause I just don't think that they're on that page. They don't see, or they don't, on the whole want to engage with a faith that is rigid and set in the past they want to be engaging with a faith that is progressive and onward moving and, and evolving and growing um which is really exciting but it, you know all these evangelicals going why are the youth not here anymore why is where's gen z where's the why didn't the millennials come back and it's like well for that reason basically for the reason that you're set in the past you don't let people explore you don't let people ask questions. You don't let people try and move forward in a certain direction. You don't let people have different ideas. Like you're asking a question you already know all the answers to. You just didn't like those answers. And so you're going to keep asking the question in the hope that someone gives you an answer you can like. Mm -hmm. um, but the church, it's not going to get an answer it likes, I don't think. Not one that works. Mm -hmm. um, you know, wait till they start having kids. Well, that didn't work. What next? Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to put off these answers to like just wait i don't know maybe gen z will be different maybe <laughs> oh i don't think so and no. you're always going to have a portion of kids so like the church that i come from it's in a wealthy suburb and so it's a very conservative suburb mm -hmm. and 
a lot of those kids are still very conservative, you know, um, not all of them, obviously, but our youth group was probably about 50, 50 split, you know, like some of these kids are like, I, there was a kid and he was a little bit of a, like, I like to push buttons, but he would bring a Trump flag to youth group and wear it around his neck. So, and it wasn't ironically, he was very, enthusiastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. so, and which infuriated a lot of the more progressive kids who were very openly progressive, you know, whereas like, if you were progressive, maybe when I was in youth group, you probably hid that part of yourself or your ideology, you know, for the sake of getting, yeah being accepted (laughs) right like whereas like you could be accepted in this youth group and be progressive because there were Mm -hmm. there was a group of them who were all that way you know so which I actually thought like for me as a leader I love this because it fostered dialogue and conversation you know so it was like like we exist in the same space and so we have to like figure out how do we have these conversations and because these kids are having these conversations whether or not we make space for them or not the conversations are happening like they're friends with each other. They have friends who are conservative and friends who are very far left and friends who are, you know, apolitical or whatever it may be. They have friends who are queer. They have friends who are like, just think very differently than they do. So I think that's the biggest thing is they have been raised in a way to think um, in a little bit of a more critical way, you know, and to to entertain differences. Yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating to me. It really is. And I think that's another component as well. You raise like, you know, they've got friends that are queer. They've got the mm-hmm. friends that are going to be gay. They're going to be, they're going to know a few trans people in their school or whatever. And that, mm-hmm. you know, you go into a rich middle-class Christian suburb and, you know, knock on the first hundred doors and go, do you have a friend that's trans? Mm-hmm. You're going to get a no like a hundred times. Maybe, maybe you can, might get a yes in there. Maybe, but I'm going to guess, Probably not, right? It's just not going to happen. And I think that's not to say that these people are bad, but it's to say that they're unlikely to be empathetic towards someone that's trans, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas you knock on, now they might know people that are trans, but my point is, are they friends with anyone? And and whereas you go into a school and you ask 100 kids, are you friends with anyone that's trans? There's no way you would get far through a hundred kids without having someone go, yeah, yes, yeah, I'm friends with mm-hmm. someone's trans. Like that, that's probably way more common. And so suddenly, whether you're in an environment that says it's right or wrong, mm-hmm. is kind of un- irrelevant once you become friends with someone, right? It, once you're friends with someone, it's, it's how, many, how many Christians are like, yeah, I know gay is wrong. I know it's bad to be homosexual, but I got a friend that's gay and, or my kid is gay. And, and, and yeah, some people cut the ties, but a lot of people go, I'm going to have to rethink. I just yeah. have to. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's the beauty of the next generation as well is this, um, they're just exposed to these worlds. They're, whether it is through Netflix and YouTube and Instagram or in their school and their upbringing, um, they're just much more exposed to these things because they're becoming more common um, that it's a very hard thing to hate someone that you know well. I just think yeah. it, it really is, you know? And um, I think that's the problem with a lot of these right-left splits and, you know, you've got the um, the radical right, the radical left, and actually a lot of them aren't very radical. They just don't know people very well on the other sides and engage with healthy conversations with them. Um, mm-hmm. And if they did, they'd probably go, oh, wow, there's some real issues that you're really passionate about that are causing yeah. you to be a radical left or a radical right person. And actually, mm-hmm. I kind of care about some of those issues as well, if I'm exactly. honest right? Yep. I actually, of course, I don't want people to be homeless, or of course, mm-hmm. I want people to have jobs or whatever it is, right? Um, and yeah, I just think breaking down those walls 
is going to be huge. So even in that youth group, it doesn't really matter that there's someone f- flying a Trump flag in the youth group or that there's someone, you know, talking about how, I don't know, they should all be pro uh, choice or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Like that's not actually as important as the fact that these kids are doing life together day in, day out in a way that generally speaking, they'd be in two very different churches that would never talk ever again. Right, and that's how they would deal with that problem as an adult. Um, mm-hmm. But as youth, you don't get that choice, right? You're just going to the youth group for your, that your parents chose a church in, exactly. um, yep, or making you go to. Like you yeah, don't even want to be yeah. there. Your parents are forcing you to be at the youth group, though. So. Yeah. Well, there was that study on millennials. Um, they asked um, the millennial bracket. I think it was Pew Research study, and they they asked um, all the millennials that had left church and not gone back, and they said, "When did you choose to leave church?" Mm-hmm. And I think it was gosh my brain i don't remember the statistic but it was over 70 percent. it was it was you know a huge portion maybe even as much as eight out of ten people um had said that they'd made that decision before they were 14 oh wow but they couldn't leave until they were 18 plus right so people that had left between the age of 18 and 29 i think were in the research um that they asked and the vast majority of them had made that decision to leave by the age of 14 Um, And so a lot of churches don't even realize they're going, how do we get our young adults back? And what (laughs) they don't realize is they've lost the kids in their own church that are there right now. They've already lost them. Oh Um, yeah. And I think that's a huge thing that, that, you know, Mm -hmm. churches just aren't aware of. Um, Mm -hmm. And people like you, whether you were intentionally working on that or not, when you were working in with these youth, you were probably on the front line of actually probably saving some of these kids to actually potentially maintain some kind of faith, relationship you know whatever the, the thing that the church wanted right the thing that the church wanted but they wouldn't want your methods maybe or your end result mm-hmm. um anyway this has been like a, a bunny trail right. you know but I, I just i was fascinated to um just see how you perceived that kind of age bracket and mm-hmm. what it looked like is it's it's a fascinating world and i think it's I mean, it's our future it's quite exciting in, in a lot of ways yeah. yeah i say that all the time i feel like gen z i have so much hope in gen z um, they're a very unique generation and part of it is they're like they're a little nihilistic so they're kind of like I don't really care like you guys are like there's no future for me anyway you've destroyed my planet we'll all be dead in 30 years anyway so screw you grandpa giving them more permission to seek out different opinions and different thoughts and different things and you know like they're not quite as afraid of disappointing people because I think they're Mm. dealing with a certain level of just disappointment in general so but yeah no I I love that generation I loved working with youth um and I think I still think about this all the time it's the sort of thing where like part of the reason I think I stayed involved in church for as long as I did is because of how much I love teenagers and how much I love working with youth and how much I love like kind of having those conversations with kids who are starting to form their own opinions Mm. and starting to think about it you know so no, it's a beautiful bracket. So sorry, I interrupted you when you were, so you were working in the youth, you, the things were kicking off, you've got the new conservative right. youth pastor, things are a little bit more sketchy, you're finding it a bit harder to kind of like, you know, work with the kids where you wanted to work with them, you're worried yeah. about your sister-in-law, all the repercussions, maybe family repercussions. So mm-hmm. what, what was the straw that broke the camel's back for you? What, at what point did you go, okay, time to leave or someone else maybe made the decision or time for you to leave I don't know um but what, 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 what does that look like for you so I'm I'm you know my first year with these girls and they're in eighth grade so they're like 14-ish years old um and I'm towards the end of the year with them and I have this really quiet timid meek 
girl who I adore asked to go get lunch with me. Um, and so we get lunch and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? And she's like, well, I just want to study the Bible. And I feel like, you know, so much, and I can't think of somebody who'd be better to kind of like help me really study the Bible better. And I'm thinking to myself, because I've been doing this for a long time. Um, something's bugging you. Somebody told you something about the Bible and you disagree with it. <laughs> and so you want a different opinion and you trust me and you trust my opinion more than you trust whoever told you the thing that you are disagreeing with. So I'm trying to like poke at her and figure out what that is. Like, what is it specifically you want to know though? You know, um, and after about an hour lunch she, and I'm driving her home, she's like, well, I guess I kind of want to know more about like, you know, like LGBT people in the Bible, like, and how that works. And, and she's like, and like the Black Lives Matter thing. So this is, this is a year ago too. So this is right. George Floyd. This is, mm. you know, like we forget the it. Black Lives Matter movement did not start uh, in March. Oh, it's been year. going for a it's while. It's been going on since Ferguson, you know? So, um, and so I'm, you know, she tells me this and I, I'm like, okay. I'm like, this is what I can do. Um, I, you can tell me the issues that you're interested in. And I think that these are wonderful issues because um, these are the things that are coming up for her at school. So, and with her friends and stuff like that. So I'm like, but I'm not going to tell you what to think. And I'm not going to tell you what the Bible says. What I'm going to do is I can, we can look at the issue. We can kind of like try and figure out what it, where it comes from comes from what its history is and then we'll look at what the bible has to say about a couple different things you know like this is what the church this is what our church believes and stands for this is probably what your parents believe and stand for this is what some progressive christians believe and stand for and i'll give you guys the resources and then you guys can do with it whatever you want because you're 14 and i think the most important thing is for you to make those decisions because it sounds like to me that your uh previous leader or whatever told you the bible said this and you just don't agree, you know? And I'm like, so it's not going to work if I tell you what the Bible says. You need to right. come to that conclusion on your own. So um, at the beginning of last summer, not this summer, summer before, this is when that all happens. And so I compile a list of topics that seem to be very relevant to, the, to Gen Z. And they are like, and I go over it with her, be like, does this work? You know, like, are these things that you think are important? So it's... Um, immigration and uh black lives matter and women's rights and lgbt abortion um mental health you know sort of a thing oh. and i let my sister-in-law know that i'm going to be meeting with and i like we talked to the other girls in our small group hey if you would be interested we're going to do this and we're going to talk about this stuff and we're also going to like we're going to look at it from a biblical perspective but we're going to look at it from multiple biblical perspectives there isn't one. Um, and I tell my sister-in-law that we're, I'm going to do a small group with these girls and we're going to talk about some controversial issues, you know, sort of a thing. And, and she's like, okay, you can use my office. Cause I'm like, I want a private space where they feel like they can really talk and right. like, you know, not feel like people are judging them. Um, she's like, okay, you can use my office. But like, as I'm doing the research and as I'm having these conversations with the girls and it's amazing because I'm seeing light bulbs, you know, like mm. as we're talking about this stuff and I mean, just like they're connecting dots, especially the black lives matter one when we, these are like a bunch of privileged white girls from the suburbs, you know? And so I start so off good. that lesson even with like, okay, so what is racism, you know? And then like, and um, is there such a thing as reverse racism? And they're like, oh yes, absolutely. I, you know, there's this one black girl in my class. You know, they all have an example of being a victim of racism, which is fantastic. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's 
let's talk about it though. What is the state of, where does this come from? Where does the idea of race come from? We're talking about um, colonization. We're, we're talking about all sorts of, like going all the way back to the, um, the, the doctrine of discovery, you know, and like putting it all together. Let's look at the economic state at the medical statistics. Let's look at all this stuff. And, and like, they just got it, you know, like by the end of it. And I'm like, I'm not telling you to think one way or another. I am just giving you facts. And then from a biblical perspective, I'm pulling quotes from multiple places. I'm pulling quotes from conservatives. I'm pulling quotes from progressives. And we're pulling it. We're looking at verses. We're looking at what the Bible has to say. And I'm just like, you guys decide. And then, sorry, this is a bit of a tangent, but like. No, it's good. It's really George interesting. Floyd hits and I'm like going through my personal Instagram and I'm seeing these girls like really posting about Black Lives Matter and I was yeah. like proud of you guys. Anyway, so <laughs> that lesson I was not so worried about. But once we got into like uh feminism, rape well, we did rape culture because that was when they specifically asked. Yeah, I wasn't like gonna that. do it, but multiple girls asked me about it. Um so we did like rape culture and then sexuality, and I'm like someone's going to come for my head. <laughs> like, this is it. I'm done. Like, there's no way they're going to let me keep doing this. I've got the pat, like the head pastor's daughter in my room, you know, right. Like, there's, this is, this isn't going to end well for me. So, um, but I get through the summer, I get through all the lessons. We take the month of August off for all the volunteers to recover and recuperate. And it's time to like get back in the fall swing of things. And they hand us all a um, agreement that you have to sign to volunteer in the fall again. This is um, such a classic evangelical move where they've clearly got an issue. They've clearly talked about this extensively <laughs> and they've gone, how can we address this without addressing it at all? Sorry, I could just, yeah, yeah I see exactly where this is going. <laughs> and I, if I'm honest, I'm kind of on the fence. I know I'm pushing things way past the church's comfort zone and even though i feel like it shouldn't be because like at the end of the day my heart is like if you want faith to be sustainable for these kids it has to be their own yeah. and you have to give them all the information and you have to let them figure it out you know um you have to teach them how to think about like how to figure out what the facts are how to find the facts and then how to think about it from multiple perspectives you know like otherwise it's just not gonna last no. you know so so um on the front of the agreement, it, there's like a big, like a part where it's like, you will not talk about any uh, positions on, on sexuality, except what the official denominations stance is. And then in the safety agreement, it's repeated that you will not have any conversations with students about sexuality, except what is stated in the official denomination understanding on sexuality. So I'm gonna fight it. Because that's just who I am. <laughs> I love this is your first thought. Oh, yeah. I, immediately, immediately, I'm looking up stats. You know, I'm like, okay, well, let's, we're going to do this. Because I, I, I knew some of the girls in my small group were queer. You know, like mm -hmm. I knew which kids in the youth group we're already kind of starting to wrestle with this. And so, and I know what the statistics are. Like, even if I don't have the far, hard facts of what they are, I know what they are. So, even though I'm on the fence and I'm kind of like, I should probably stop volunteering. I should just get out before there's any drama. Um, but I'm like, no, nope, I'm going to fight this now because this is ridiculous. Um, so I'm like, I, and it, I'm reading over with the official stances from the, the denomination, which is kind of the standard evangelical one right now where it's like, well, I mean, it's a sin, but we love you. 
but it's a sin. <laughs> so, I mean, we all sin and we're all guilty of sin and we need to acknowledge where we sure. also sin. But the Bible says it's a sin, so sorry, you know, sort of the thing. That's the official stance. And at the bottom of the denomination's official stance is to be a part of the denomination, you don't have to agree with this. Your church can decide. That's it, you know? And I'm like, this is ridiculous because the denomination doesn't even make this a hard and fast rule yeah. for people to believe, you know? Uh, so I, I print that up. I'm highlighting it, referencing all the books I've read to pull in. Well, there are other ways to think about this. And um, and also because it's a reformed church, because it states on the denomination that um, everything comes from the Westminster Confession of Faith. So I'm like pulling my personal copy of the Westminster Confession of Faith off of the bookshelf, you know, and I'm like going through and highlighting. So You're restricting. Funny. Like the, you, you guys aren't even doing this stuff and this is what's more, more important. And then, and then I'm pulling the stats from like the Trevor project and from, um, all the like human rights advocates about queer youth and all this other stuff. And I, um, go have, you know, I call my sister-in-law cause she's my friend, you know, I've known her since she was 11 and I've been a part of the family for over 10 years. And so I, you know, talking to her and I, I, I feel bad because I probably put her in a weird position. <laughs> she's on staff. Um, yeah, yeah, But, um, and she's like, well, I think you just need to talk to the head, you know, youth director, because I really don't have a lot of say. And, and I, I mean, I see where they're coming from. I think that, you know, this is probably right. And I'm like, how can you not have my back? I'm so mad. So I go into the meeting with the head youth pastor, but I, I know it's not going to end well. So I'm like crying because I'm like, you know but I like have all my stuff I make my plea I tell him why I think that this is the bad like this isn't a good decision you need to have conversations with these kids where they can come to their own conclusion I want to point out to them why their parents believe what they believe I don't want to say that this is wrong I want to tell them why the church believes this and why this is their position but I want to offer them something else I just want to be like but other people think differently I want them to be able to see that the Bible can be a source for them to go to, that they don't have to just reject what their parents say or this position, and that this is the only position. And if they reject it, because they do, they do, so many of them already do, that there's nothing for them. There is no yeah. faith outside of this, that it's one and done. You know, I'm like, I want to show them that they can keep their faith, that they can keep the relationship with Jesus, that they can have, like, they can look at this differently. And there are other ways to read the Bible. And there are other ways to interpret this stuff that they don't have to give up on Christianity. They don't have to give up on Jesus. They don't even have to give up on this church because the church doesn't even require that you believe it, you know? And it was like, sorry. And well, the head youth pastor actually was like, he's like, my hands are actually tied. This is coming from higher up. And I was like, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so... And I was like, well, I can't sign this. Like, I cannot in good conscience, like, stare at a kid who I know is clear and tell them, I'm sorry, but you're a sinner, you know? Like, yeah. I can't do that. So, oh, you're literally actively increasing their suicide rate chance by, like, 14 times or something. You know, it's just like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Sorry. No. Like, that seems like a really poor choice to make. And the girls who know me would know that I that I don't, think that way even though I haven't explicitly said exactly. it but we had a conversation already over the summer we talked about this you know and I had a girl break down and cry that she was so relieved not because of her own sexuality but because she had friends from school who felt like they cannot come to church yeah. that they cannot be Christians because of this hurdle yeah. you know and I I told her that like I wasn't like I personally believe this but I was like here 
is an interpretation that many yeah. people have come to this conclusion. And she was so relieved. Well, my friends don't have to go to hell because of this, you know, like they can come to general. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying everyone in this youth group is a safe place for them. Yeah. But yes, you know. Yeah. Maybe so. don't bring them to this church, assuming <laughs> that anyone's going to agree with that position. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's so true. We saw this already. You know, you see, we saw this again and again with... So what's interesting is the generation before the millennials really were um, faced with this dynamic in America predominantly, actually. For most of Europe, this kind of was quite a laughable kind of thing that we kind of witnessed America go through. But the, the whole science-faith debate, yes. um, that's kind of laughable to most Europeans. I, I'd say most, because a lot of Europeans still in faith have that dichotomy. But on the whole, we were just like, well, that doesn't need to be an issue. That's not actual issue um, mm-hmm. just because we weren't so fixated on the literal adam eve literal uh, genesis account on the whole um, whereas in america like there was this such a thing of like you had to believe that the earth was ten thousand years or that adam and eve were this literal two people or whatever that a huge swath of people went to uni got you know educated whatever or you know was a scientist and was like that just doesn't work then they literally were like i guess i can't be a christian so many people literally were like uh i can't be a christian because i believe in science and now a lot of the church is going oh shit we really shot ourselves in the foot there maybe we should have given them a bit more of a kind of leeway of going well there is other ways to see this because you know even a lot of evangelical churches these days that are fairly conservative, probably quite fundamental even would probably still go, ah, yeah. Okay. You're fine. Come on in. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't believe in a young earth or whatever, like fine, you're welcome. Um, But we're just so unwilling to do it with the next thing until it's too late. You know what I mean? Uh, And I think that's the thing is like, I don't know. There's something written in our systemic way of doing things. You know, I think people are suffering from the systems, you know, like mm-hmm. pastors and all these different people I, generally aren't bad people. They're just stuck in a system, which is rooted in a kind of ancient document that's rooted in an ancient way of thinking. So they, they, they're not free enough to even start exploring this or look in a different direction. You know, like, like what you're doing with these kids is literally some of the most dangerous, terrifying thing mm-hmm. in the world, because for them, there isn't another way to view this exactly those people are going to hell yeah there's another way to view it there's also an option to like go and like do child sacrifices and like you know and i don't know like whatever else like but that's not an option that goes well and for them you know saying oh you can be pro-choice or oh you can embrace a gay person is just as off the dark and narrow path as you know uh, or light and narrow path even into the darkness that like it's just as bad as going into the occult or you know or yeah. rejecting jesus just accepting a gay person because yes. there is no leeway mm-hmm. um and it will only be x years down the line when there's a muff leeway maybe the young generation have grown maybe evangelicalism becomes more and more of a kind of side component of whatever faith looks like for people that they'll go oh maybe that wasn't one that we should have died on yeah. Maybe, but Probably. I don't know. Maybe not. Well, and the sad thing about it, though, is that at least with evolution, like evolution was the like make or break issue when I was in, in uh, high school. So like my sister was deeply interested in biology. And so mm. she was the one who was like, you know, fierce. we were very much into creationism and stuff like that. So um, because it was like hearing somebody believed in evolution, it was like, you can't be a Christian because and it's the same logic, too, that's in 
apply uh, that's used for this one as well. But it's if you disregard the literal interpretation of this, then you have to disregard the literal and literal interpretation of all of it. And if there is no right. literal and no literal cross, no literal res resurrection, then there is no salvation. You know, and so, so it's you can't reject any piece of it. But then it is like understanding and realizing we reject so much of this. You have just we really reject a lot. We have to believe in apparently, but we don't do it across the board at all yeah. whatsoever because uh, you couldn't it would be yeah. insanely illogical to try and do that but the difference is with evolution whether or not i want to believe in evolution or creationism i'm that's not going to impact my identity so much you know like whereas like if we reject queer kids we're causing them harm we're we're yeah. causing actual people so much harm to the point where they their suicide rates do go up you know so much yeah. so it's it's heartbreaking that this is an issue mm. that the church this is the hill that they're going to die on um mm. but it is the sort of thing where evangelicalism though like the history i think of evangelicalism more specifically than like christianity or american christianity is built on the patriarchy and there is no room for for any other sexuality outside of heterosexuality. Yeah. That if you cave on that, then then evangelicalism as it has been built doesn't exist. It crumbles. Yeah. It crumbles. So I think that the church, I don't think there is a future for evangelicalism. I think that it I don't think it has the ability to adapt in a way that it needs to adapt to continue to be a viable option for people. Mm. That I think that we're witnessing its death. I don't think I don't think Gen Z is going to come back. Their numbers are already really low. And I don't think that they're going to be able, the numbers that do stick around aren't going to be able to sustain the machine that it is and as it has been created to be. Um, yeah. I think we're going to see little churches disappear and mega churches become super mega churches until the older generations die off. And then there won't be enough money coming in to support the system at all. I, yeah. That is my theory. So yeah, no, I don't. I don't think you're likely to be wrong, um, <laughs> and I'm. And and also, I'm not sad about it. Like, if I'm honest, you know, it's, it's that thing of like, yeah, and I'm not worried about that. That's a good thing. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, in many ways, I hope that is a prophetic utterance of like, this is what is happening, um, and this is this is a movement that is towards a greater inclusivity, a greater love, a greater openness, a greater connectivity. Um, I, I really believe that in, in a lot of ways for sure mm -hmm. so where have you landed now like where where are you at like you're not attending a church not your thing or do you still kind of um frame reality through a christian lens through a yeah. lens of jesus is that something that's important to you still and gives meaning to you or not so much anymore yeah, I, um, this is a conversation I've been having a lot with friends is how, like, once you stop going to church, um, it does really change, you know, like, mm -hmm. it, um, somebody said recently that it's going to church is like getting your indoctrination every week, you know, sort of a thing. So when they wouldn't let me keep volunteering with the students, I was like, well, then why am I here? Because that's really the only thing I'm, I'm here for. Um, so I left that church. And we had made the decision though to like pull my kids out because I read Pure by okay. Linda K. Klein and was like freaked out. I was like, I can't raise kids in this environment. So seriously, I mean, like the family wasn't going. I was the only one still going. Um, 
And I was like, well, if I'm not volunteering with students, there's no point for me to come and do this. So then I was like, well, maybe I'll church hop because faith conversations are important to me. Faith is a big part of my life. It always has mm. been. I can't imagine it not being a big part of my life. Um, so I'm trying smaller mainline progressive churches and nothing's really fitting. And I don't know, I'm doing it by myself and I have four kids and small churches don't have kids ministries. And, no. you know, and I'm like, and I don't want to go to a church just because they have a kid's ministry. Cause I don't want my kids in the kid's ministry because that's going to end up toxic. And, uh, I don't know. I'm like, well, maybe I'll just, yeah, I'll, I'm like, I'll just take a break and I'll just take some time and figure it out. But then the not going every week and like not being around people who are like, woohoo, so excited about the whole thing, about the church, about, about the faith, about the Bible, about Jesus. It was like, am, am, am I still excited about these things? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm an avid reader. And so I've read a lot of like James Cone and liberation mm. theology. And I'm like, well, I love this idea of Jesus. Like, I think had it not been for liberation theology, I would have like ended up throwing the whole thing away back in probably December. But like, I remember leading up to Christmas, I was like, I'm going to write an Advent devotional, but like a really dark and gloomy one. Um, and as I was doing it, I was like, I had an idea of what this was going to be. I was like, I'm going to engage the darkness so that when Christmas comes, the light of Jesus shines through, you know, it'll shine through brighter if I engage the darkness, but I engaged the darkness and it stayed dark. I didn't find the light at the end of it. And then I was like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> so I've kind of been in that space, honestly, where I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I like a liberation theology's idea of Jesus, but I don't know what I think about him. Like, I don't know if he would even like, was he God? I don't know. I have no idea. And I don't think it matters. I'm still interested in having faith conversations and talking about deconstruction because I'm still trying to sort it all out. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I like to claim that I'm still a Christian, but in reality, I'm probably agnostic at some point. I can't imagine ever going back to a church like at mm -hmm. all, to be honest. So. Yeah. I struggle yeah. with that idea. The thought of going back to church. I stayed in church for so, so long I really believed in change and yeah. that community could be created that would be different. And, yeah. um, and ultimately I just decided, you know, what, I'll just do community in my world, in my friendship communities and, and all of that. And that is my church in a sense anyway, and, and it works great, but uh, yeah. And now I'm like, God, I would never go back into that environment. I just don't like about 90% of what a average church service is anyway. Like, I just yeah. don't enjoy, I don't listen to music. I don't really enjoy music. Never mind worship music. Never mind worship music. Oh. When you actually start looking at it, you don't believe half of the words anyway. Like, I'm like, well, that's just a terrible way to spend 40 minutes of the day. Um, and then the sermons, I'm like, well, I hate and miss here or there. But the honesty, if we're going for a sermon, I mean, like, we have the internet. If you're going to listen to some teaching, you've got some of the best teaching out there. You know, I'm sure you could pick up an old Mark Driscoll or something. I mean, you could spend the hour much more entertained. Man, mm -hmm. I guarantee, I, 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 part of me is like, I mean, I might go back and listen to a half hour old school Mark Driscoll and, uh, mm -hmm. and be inspired, um, get, some, uh, get some meme material or something. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm just like, there's so many components to that. I'm just like, oh, what a terrible way to spend a couple of hours on a Sunday. Um, yeah. Not for everyone. For some people, it's a truly powerful, important, revolutional 
moment and, and time and, and a really grounding time. And, and I think that's great. Like, it's not mm-hmm. to say that that's terrible for anyone to spend their time that way. It's just that it's terrible for me to spend my time yeah. that way. So I, I get it. Once you kind of, and once you leave, I was reading a statistic at the beginning of the COVID crisis. Um, who did some study? I think it was Pew Research again, man. Pew Research, man. They're just on it. Um, oh, yeah. They did a, a study on how COVID was hitting people and, and not attending church was hitting people. But at the beginning of it, they prefaced it with um, another study that had been done that said that when people stop attending social clubs for more than four weeks, the likelihood of them returning drops like by a huge percentage. Again, I can't remember mm-hmm. the amount, but it's like you're really unlikely to go back if you've not attended for four weeks. Wow. They were saying like, this is a component that most people probably don't know the actual data, but we all kind of know on some level, if people stop going to church for a while, they might not come back. We all kind of know that, right? That's the reason you're pastor. If you miss church once, it's fine. You miss church a couple of times, you get a text from your youth pastor, your family pastor, your senior pastor, whoever's kind of looking out for that. Hey bud, how you doing? You doing okay? <laughs> Mr. Church, you want to get coffee? Maybe see you next week. You coming? Like, there's a reason people are chasing you up and trying to see if you want to keep coming because they know if you don't keep coming, you'll stop coming entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does make me wonder as well how many people who have been like kind of deconstructing, but not at maybe some of the levels that cause you to not be able to do church. I wonder if COVID's gonna be a final straw for them having not oh, attended church yeah. for like three months four months five months some people um yeah. it's gonna be really interesting to see when churches start opening back up again how many people go eh, i kind of like my sundays differently and mm-hmm. i'm kind of still connected to whatever however i frame divinity and connecting with the divine and, and doing life and i've got my friends i'm doing something with a bit differently be interesting i think a lot of people will flood back to church going god i've missed this community i've missed connection because i would love oh, something like yeah. that right now after covid of being locked in my house all the time god i would i would hang out with people in any context right mm-hmm. um like just to hang out with people <laughs> at this point um so yeah i would head down to the satanic part, the temple they're like we're doing a, <laughs> a sacrifice of a toddler i'm like i'm not that big a fan of toddlers anyway let's go like <laughs> there's people there is there a buffet like i want to hang out with people and eat food that hasn't been prepared by me yes um so i don't know it'll be interesting to see how many people uh are going back but i could see i could see it kind of going both ways i guess mm-hmm. no I, th- I think about it i'm like had had they not put that specific hurdle in my path. You know what I mean? Like mm. I was like, oh, I was playing around with the idea of not going, but would I have actually stopped going? I had I had a lot of friends there. I had a lot of yeah. you know, that was my community. Um, so I'm like, I think had I not like had that not happened, I probably still would have been at church and it maybe would have taken until COVID for me to really and truly stop mm. going. You know, so I'm like, I've been deconstructing for, you know, six, seven-ish years. And I went to church up until a year ago, you know, yeah. and, and my gut instinct when I stopped going was to go find another church. It was yeah. like, I'll find another church though, you know? So that's yeah, it, it was the going some, like, I want a church that's affirming, you know, like of queer identities, but most of the churches are mainline Protestants and they're, they're stuffy, man. Yeah. You got to go back into kind of more liturgical oh, church yeah. <laughs> and yeah, there's no kind of family dynamic there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. really weird one. It took a hard, hard moment of like a very severe kind of experience, like over a few months um, for me to, to be like, okay, I'm done like yeah. as well. Cause I, I think I would have kept going. I, I just, I just am like an eternal, I'm a really pessimistic and negative person. But on some <laughs> level, I'm an eternal optimist. You know, I'm like, no, no, no. But I believe that 
I just right. keep going or, or maybe there's just one person that's worth me being here for that one person to connect yeah. with, to, to love, to show them not everything is this way or, um, and then finally I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm back. It's fine. I, um, oh, I had a question. Snap. I totally forget what it was though. <laughs> I know we're coming up on the end of our time. Oh, what was I going to ask you? I don't remember. Was it related to what we were just talking about? Yes. <laughs> so about uh, what we were talking about. Church, oh COVID, going back to church, leaving church. I don't know. I'm rubbish at remembering what I was talking about as well. I know. I'm I'm so, so bad at it. I usually interrupt people because I know I have that tendency that I'm like, if I don't say it immediately, I will totally forget what yeah. I was going to say. So, this is no. why I interrupt people all the time when I'm interviewing them. People, <laughs> people send me messages and they're like, you should talk less. And I'm like, trust me, if I didn't talk at all, I just have no, I, I'd forget any questions by the time there's a silence. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, uh, man, I feel like it was about maybe like mainline denominations. I don't remember what it mm. was. Yeah. Cause we were, yeah, we were talking about. Oh, I remember what it was. Okay, okay. let's do it. So, if you're not going to church anymore, um, did that spur like a whole another kind of part of deconstruction for you? Because, like, not for me, I feel like when you when I started deconstructing, um, the the big names in the deconstructing world, especially when you're first kind of getting into it, Rachel Held Evans, Sarah Bethy, Peter Enns, you know, like, uh, even Brian McLaren, you know, they all are involved in church still. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like, like Rachel Held Evans, it was like, I mean, I don't know how I feel about this, but I'm going to keep going to church, you know, and Sarah Bethy's like fully embracing it, you know, and I think Mike McCard recently was like, I'm a Christian, you know, like, and then I'm like, oh, but I know actually I'm take, I feel like I don't want that anymore. Like, I love yeah. what you guys have to say and how you have opened up my mind to, to think about all of this stuff so differently, especially coming out of evangelicalism. But like, but like, you're all, I feel like you're all going down this, this path. And now I'm like, going this way. And I, it kind of was a little jarring for me, mm. to be honest. I'm curious if other people have felt that way. Have you felt yeah. that way? I think, um, not for me personally, but I was just done with church and largely Christianity as the construct that I'd known it growing yeah. up anyway and, and stuff. So, I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't remotely an issue for me, like where I was even, uh, there was nothing. I mean, it was like, oh, I could explore a different type of church. I was like, no, not remotely interested in that anyway. And I don't know how much, I mean, I'm constantly questioning everything I believe, but usually it's something I decided to start believing a week ago. You know I mean? I'm constantly just looking at new ideas exploring them and then unraveling them as i go so i'm constantly deconstructing but very rarely is it stuff that i've had in me for a long period of time maybe more deeply systemic stuff like racism sexism mm -hmm. kind of shit like that um yeah that stuff's still going on um but no more so because i'm out of church for mm -hmm. me um but i think it is interesting to me that a lot of the poster child um kind of names of deconstruction um in my personal opinion don't represent deconstruction very well mm. in some ways i think they they represent a a flavor of deconstruction but in my opinion i think let's put it in the most tactful way <laughs> um they they represent maybe a very light form of deconstruction yes. where generally speaking we deconstruct to a point we all do <laughs> right and then we we find a place where we go oh that feels good i like this and we chill there and yeah. then 
as time goes on, maybe something else happens and you're like, holy crap, Black Lives Matter is kicking off. God, I'm racist. Trap. I better work that through. And you start deconstructing mm-hmm. something else, right? And and mm-hmm. then something else happens, right? I don't know. You uh, you lose a loved one and you go, God, I don't actually know what I believe about the afterlife or whatever, but I hadn't looked at that before. And you start going, ah, is there even an afterlife? I don't even know. And then you have to deal with existential dread of what will happen to me after I die. Will anything, maybe nothing and, you know, whatever. And so like there's these like little steps that we make along the way that different people make. To me, most of those names you've mentioned have deconstructed some theological principles, generally speaking, almost across the board based on social justice. Yeah. Um, so it's much more of a, um, yeah, a social kind of theological deconstruction, uh, which mm-hmm. is great. And then yeah. they've gone, oh, there's a kind of entire branch of Christianity that's very kind of popular and fine these days. It's, it's doing well, um, maybe slightly newer, um, but it's thriving. Progressive Christianity works, mm-hmm. kind of ticks all my boxes. I'm good. The problem mm-hmm. is that that then gets associated as deconstruction, and it's not. Um, it's a form of deconstruction if you deconstruct certain things. But if you deconstruct, mm-hmm. is there a God? Progressive Christianity is probably not going to fit your box, right? Okay right if you deconstruct a whole host of different ideas Uh progressive christianity is not going to tick right it's too it's too fundamental it's too black Mm -hmm. and white it's too dualistic it's very rooted in a christian um concept of god um they'll be open to interfaith and stuff but at the end of the day it's an it's a christian concept of god that progressive christianity gathers around um and 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 there's nothing wrong with that and i think a lot of people that start deconstructing will find along the way they go Oh yeah, I'm, I'm good. That's I'm grand, right? Yeah. You know, and so your husband starts reading Rachel Held Evans. And he's like, "Yeah, this is good for me. I'm good." Mm-hmm. Now I'm assuming at certain points he's moved on in different ways and gone, "Holy crap, there's something else," and kind of unraveled something else. But at some point, we do that, and sometimes we never need to move on again because it works. Mm-hmm. It's good for us. It's good for our family. It, it takes the box. It helps us feel connected to ourselves, others, and God. Um, so I think that's fine. But I do think if you if we look at the data, I don't think we'll find that the vast majority of people that deconstruct will arrive at progressive Christianity. And I think that my concern is that the majority of people talking about deconstruction um, are people within progressive Christianity. And that's Mm -hmm. not, it's not a bad thing. They need a voice. They need to be talking. God help them give them more of a platform than John Piper and Mike Driscoll, right? Uh, Mike, Mike Driscoll. Is that him? Mike Driscoll? Whoever he is. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Um, Mike. Some, some, some guy, Mike Driscoll's like, damn it, Phil. <laughs> um, um, but so that's great that these more progressive voices have a voice. I have progressive people on here all the time, mm-hmm. um, but I'm very intentional to have atheists, agnostics, people that have let go of faith, people that are exploring other faiths, have just mm-hmm. had a witch on, and you know things like that. And I'm like, I want people that are exploring something different because that's a very real component of deconstruction for a lot of people, and it's really yeah. unfair to say, oh, unless you kind of arrive at progressive Christianity, there's some sort of thing that's wrong with you. God, mm-hmm. I hope not, because I've not arrived there. It doesn't work for me. I like yeah. it. I like a lot of the components. I love the social justice components. I love a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love its inclusivity and things like that, but it just doesn't tick my boxes. Um, no. So I think, yeah, it, it's a, it's a problematic. And, and so the question is how do we build communities that aren't progressive churches? Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a big question. I just had um, Kathy Escobar. Have you heard of Kathy Escobar? Um, she's great. I, I had, sounds really familiar. She, but she wrote I, a book. Yeah ages ago now called faith shift um and she's been like deconstructing for like over a decade now um but like 
she runs a church uh, for lack of a better word and she's like it's not a progressive church not into progressive church not into church um but what else do you call it but it's kind of run almost on around the model of like Alcoholics Anonymous in the sense Mm -hmm. where in Alcoholics Anonymous you're not gathering around a belief uh, and you can believe a whole host of things right you can be right wing left wing you can be into social justice you can be into building a capitalist empire that erodes polar ice caps it doesn't really matter if you've got an alcohol problem you're there right Right. and so you're gathered around this kind of common um reality and cause Mm -hmm. um and goal even um and and she was like for us we gather around we are people that are seeking to be more loving and more inclusive than we were before whatever before was and whatever that looks like moving forwards. And she says, it's so messy and so hard to do. So we talked quite a bit in the podcast about what does it look like to do that as a community? But I was like, it's so interesting of reframing communities away from, we believe this, because that's, and this is my problem with progressive Christianity is it's another community that gathers around a belief, a set of beliefs. And I'm like, well, that's great when you believe those beliefs. But mm-hmm. let's move forward two years down the line. Now you're settled and all your friends are here and then you don't believe it. And you're like, oh shit, I've got to do this all over again and lose another community and leave church again. And like, it just feels like a very problematic component when we're constantly changing what we believe, right? We're always changing. So mm-hmm. I don't know what it looks like. I mean, I've, I've built on some level and it's, I don't mean it to see like Phil Dry still built a community around himself because like my community built itself around itself. You know, it was, it was, a. we all got stuck in. We all made friends with one another. We brought people in. We said, Hey, can I bring my cousin? Or, Hey, I met this person on the train the other day. We had a great chat. Can they come along? And, and, and it is, and what they're saying, can they come along to is hanging out in the park one day or going to the pub or getting together and talking about a book we've read recently, or it doesn't matter. It can be whatever. Um, but for me, that's much more life-giving and much more real. And it will last much longer because those people I will know when I'm on my deathbed. Um, mm. Whereas people that I gather around because we all believe the mm. right thing now, yeah. I don't know if I'll be connected with them on my deathbed because if God help me if I believe exactly that 50 right. years from now. I so really hope right. I don't. Um, but yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. It's 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 a weird one though i know i i i feel like and it's like i've been deconstructing for a long time like i said but it's it's the sort of thing where i think the dominant paths and narratives are like progressive christianity or atheism Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yeah and i'm like well neither of those feel right to me right now so like i don't know (laughs) There is not a lot of room for what I believe is probably, and I want to get more data on this as we get more data through the deconstruction network. I think it'll be really interesting, but mm-hmm. because I have a, a idea through my anecdotal experience, which is talking to thousands of people over the last kind of eight years. So I feel like I've got a lot of anecdotal experience, but I'd love to turn it into hard data. But yeah. I think the majority are neither of those groups. Mm. The majority are not a progressive Christian or atheist. The majority are an agnostic spiritual seeker that finds the concept and person of Jesus irresistible in some way because it's part of their tradition doesn't really know what to do with it but that's okay but it's in there in the mix somewhere maybe Mm -hmm. on a shelf somewhere as we're figuring it out but it's it's around um but it's agnostic it's spiritual it's intentional 
um it's terrified and it's excited and it's all of those kind of components and it's seeking a community and it's seeking to do something with people and not do it on its own um that to me seems much more common because it's a much it's you know if you look at that as a spectrum of like progressive christianity is kind of tiptoeing out inside christianity but it's still very much inside the bubble right Mm -hmm. through to atheism which is like well you're off the end whatever that looks like and i think atheism is a great opportunity like go end in atheism that's great i've never ever um tried to stop someone being an atheist i think that's if that's the healthy progression for you and a healthy move do that like i I think that can be the positive spiritual movement forward is into atheism for some people Mm -hmm. um but the window between those two is this really complex beautiful landscape that is completely different every point you look at um Mm. and i think we don't even talk about it you know this whole spectrum and it's probably like 80 percent of the whole equation or something and we're not even talking about it Mm -hmm. um and i think that's who i want to give a voice to more than anything and that's the and that's the conversation i find most interesting i find the other conversation is quite interesting but i love talking to someone who goes you know what, Phil? I have no idea what the fuck I believe right now. And I don't know what's going on. I'm terrified (laughs) and I'm really excited. And the other day I was thinking this, what the hell do you think? And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I thought that before, but what about this? And that's that's an exciting conversation to me. Um, And so I I get excited about that group of people. Yeah, Um, yeah. And that's who I feel I'm talking with every day, day in, day out, they're Mm -hmm. out there. Um, Yeah. And I don't know if anyone ever leaves that group. I mean, I, I know people do. Uh, but maybe a lot of people that's where you live I mean maybe that is spirituality maybe that is a very real and honest faith I don't know but I'm yeah. enjoying it that's as great. much as I can <laughs> as I cry <laughs> myself to sleep <laughs> <laughs> oh I relate yeah. very much so yeah no I I completely see that I, I agree I feel like the way at least here and like in America, because there is such a strong presence of the church still, um, that for a lot of people when they, it's, it's that same thing where it's like, well, I believe in science or it can't be a Christian, you know? So it's like that carries into this deconstruction conversation. I feel like most of the books and the speakers and the conferences and the, and the people and the platforms and are, are kind of revolving around that space. And so like when I deviated from the church and was like, I don't know what I believe anymore. I, like literally have no idea. I have some strong aversion towards things that even smell like Christianity, you know? And it's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm no longer interested in any of those people, those big things that kind of helped, you know, guide me through the early stages of this. And I don't know where those next people are. That's the yeah. thing. I feel like because it's so, hard. so much around that, that it's like, it's like almost like leaving evangelicalism yet again i was like i thought i already did this and now i feel like i'm doing it again and i'm trying to figure out which way to go and you know like who is talking about this because i'm a verbal processor i need people to like talk about this and i'm like i'm not atheist um, but i'm not i don't want to be around christians anymore (laughs) not even progressive ones so but yeah. yeah I hear you. I mean, like probably the biggest trigger warning I need is around Christians. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's plenty of things, but like that to me, I was joking with um, Kevin Garcia, I had him on recently and um, he's got this beautiful, like, I mean, just phenomenal voice and he sings um, songs on his Instagram every now and again on Instagram live or mm-hmm. a little video or whatever, but it's usually hymns. And so I can't help it, but I'm scrolling and I'll stop when I see him and he's playing something and he starts singing. I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. And then like, but three seconds in, I'm like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's just too much. Yes. No, it's just, yes. I can't do this hymn about 
you know, how great God, Jesus sacrificed. <laughs> right. She's like, ah, 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 can't do it, can't do it. Um, so I was joking with him about it because this is a real component. He was laughing. So um, it's, it's not to comment on his faith or his voice, but it's right. just, I, I just, it doesn't click. And I think some people do have this kind of like, nope, no, can't do the, the Christian language, all that kind of stuff. I, I think Rob Bell was really great at this early on when he started kind of speaking out more about where he was at and what was going on. Like he was so intentional to kind of de-Christianese Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he did really well at going, Hey, I'm probably going to mention God sometimes, but I'm going to use a lot of words for God. And only sometimes will I call God, God, mm-hmm. um, because to me, that's a really unimportant label. and It's not the best label all the time. And there's loads of other labels that are helpful. And, you know, I'm not going to refer to myself as Christian because mm. eh, why would, why, why is that an important label? You know, like, um, and I, and I, I really appreciated what he did. I think it was his book, what, what we talk about when we talk about God that kind of first kind of introduced that. But I, I, I know through listening to some of his podcasts when he first started doing them, he was just so intentional about this was not the Rob Bell that was speaking at Mars Hill a few years yeah. prior, who was given a sermon. This was mm. a, this was a sermon, but there was almost like no it's wrong to say there's no christianity in it because actually it was just as christian mm-hmm. but there was no christianity if that makes sense this kind of mm-hmm. toxic institution and system and language and and i think that's what a lot of this agnostic group are actually looking for i think that's why a lot of people are drawn to rob i mean you know he's got a huge following doesn't he and um and for good reason you know, I think yeah. he's doing that well. And again, it highlights this group, this group that are going, not Christian anymore. Don't go there. Mm-hmm. Not atheist. Really want to do something about spirituality and explore that. I'm really interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge, huge group, I believe. I'm really excited to get some data on it because I think once we can start dropping numbers and be like, hey, you're ignoring like 78% of people in this group, you know, or yeah. whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's 10. Maybe we're totally wrong. Who knows? Uh, hmm. maybe we just live in these little bubbles you know I mean it's possible as well that's uh, true but we'll see we'll see yeah. interesting yeah. anyway Ashley thank you so much I've taken enough of your time I'm sure um but thank you so much for coming on and chatting it's really cool to hear your story fun to chat with you're a great laugh um I love what you're doing online I love what you're doing on Instagram are you doing things anywhere other than Instagram is just Instagram your thing right now Instagram is my thing right now I, I play around with doing other things but i have four kids be realistic (laughs) find find a like a thing that works and stick with it i I frequently like i i play with the idea of just nuking half of the things i do because i'm like (laughs) i just hate some of these things and they can't be as effective as some of the other things i do like yeah yeah, i i I think that a lot and so Mm -hmm. i admire people that are like nope gonna just do one two things and just get it done i love it so that's um at dis underscore ology is that right yeah i'll put yeah. the link to that in the show notes in the youtube the podcast whatever and so i'll make sure people can um connect with you over there i'm sure uh they will appreciate that because honestly your stuff is really on the money i love it i really really love it um, and so yeah i mean i get people send me your stuff constantly i don't know if they just don't know i follow you or whatever <laughs> I love it because I don't always see everything. I, you know, you're not always yeah, like, sure. you miss a story if you're off for a day or something or whatever. Um, but like yours is, you know, if I see a stories, 
often you know you see stories you're like ah come on is there anyone good oh, here yeah. you know like right? especially <laughs> once you're following like six seven hundred people or whatever but yours is always one i'm like oh i can't wait to see what you're what you're Aww. talking about what questions you're asking you know your group or different ideas that you're sharing and your posts are fantastic yeah. and i think you're just Thank doing you. you're a really valuable voice in this community especially as another voice that isn't a progressive christian or an atheist but someone that's in that weird in-between space going i don't know what i am i don't know what this is but let's talk um, yeah. and i think you're you're hosting a really important conversation so thank you I thank you it. yeah it's yeah. it's been great like i and it's it's again it's that like i think it was so isolating and so lonely and even though i don't know these people you know some of them i feel like i have gotten to know really well just through through the posts and through the comments and stuff like that but like kind of having this like shared experiences and just you know like um screaming into the void and having people hearing me you know it's yeah. been it's been healing actually so yeah. i'm deeply appreciative of the community so thank you no it's um, wonderful i yeah. keep saying this as well people are like wow it's so like selfless that you do what you do and i'm like are you kidding this is like my therapy like this is good yes. for me like talking yes. with people engaging people helping people but also really healing a lot of my stuff and growing and learning in the midst like it's a really it's a really rewarding uh thing to do to get stuck into conversations with with people in this space and so yeah, yeah for yeah, sure i'm sure you're getting a, a lot out of it as well for sure i am for sure and i am deeply appreciative of all the stuff that you do like you, um, the deconstruction network, I'm so deeply intrigued. Somebody sent me that like before I was, I was like just starting my disology page and they're like, oh, have you heard about this guy? And so, yeah. And just having like an opportunity for all sorts of stories to be shared. I don't think I've ever actually like sat down and like been like, okay, well, this is where it starts. And then it kind of goes this way, you know, like do my whole story. So. Oh God, no. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no it's great well thank you so much for coming on i'll let you know when this goes um live it'll probably be a few weeks now um okay. it was great yeah. to see you great to meet you yes. have a face uh, behind the person on right. instagram I have, like, you know a small little like picture of me which i debate taking off but I don't know. Um, That's funny. Do you try and stay a bit anonymous is there an, a component of that where you're like i don't know if i want to be there are times there are times where i feel that way where i'm like i don't know if i want if I really want my face attached to it. And I talked to my husband about this a lot. And he's like, he's like, I think it's cool that your face is attached to it because you're a person. Like people yeah. see that, that icon, you know, the whatever your profile pic and you're a person, you know? So yeah. it's, it's not just some anonymous, even though it is anonymous. He's like, but that, I think he's like, that adds a level of humanity. And I feel like my posts are pretty emotional. Like that I, I do usually attack this from a personal emotional place devoid of a lot of details but it's still like true to the emotions behind yeah. it so people um, very rarely scream into the void out of a place of intellectual kind of like, pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> usually there's a bit of emotion in there right right you, know, you don't so, like read a quote and just be like oh i need to scream that out into the abyss <laughs> like, <laughs> sometimes i do maybe maybe <laughs> <laughs> But I usually add like what emotion they brought up in me from that. So, yeah, that's yeah, really I'm, funny. I'm I'm not completely anonymous. I didn't have my name on it for a long time. I did. Mm. I do have my name on there now. But like, not. I don't know. I like this somewhere in between because I feel like that just perfectly encapsulates how I feel about everything. Like I don't really know. Just doing things. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, we could keep uh, the when I, I post it. I can just post it as disology or just Ashley or whatever. But like, yeah, yeah either is we'll, fine. We'll, we'll sort it out. But yeah. 
Cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's great to see you. Thank Hope you. Hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. I'm going to go to bed. I'm sure you are too. Oh, I've gone to bed as well. Yeah, I'm getting up in like five hours or something like that. But yeah. All right. Love you, Ashley. Catch you later. Yeah? All right. Love you too. Bye. Bye. All right. So that was Ashley of Disology, um, which you can follow her over on Instagram. It's just D-I-S underscore O-L-O-G-Y. And her account is fantastic. She posts loads of great stuff. I really do encourage you to go um, check her out if you're on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, get on Instagram. This is this is where I'm at these days. And so uh, if you, if you want to hang out, if you want to chat, if you want to be tracking with what I'm doing, my weekly Q&As, all this different stuff, you can get on Instagram. There's great people like Ashley, myself, lots of the other people that I have on this podcast. Um, I've met through the community on uh, Instagram. And so, um, yeah, what, where are you at? Come on, grandma. Um, and so, yeah, get off Facebook onto Instagram. That's all there is for this week. Um, as I said at the beginning, check out the deconstructionnetwork.com, a great resource to help you connect with other people that are deconstructing. Uh, thegracecourse.com, if you are still trying to frame your deconstruction within Christianity, there's a lot of great teaching and ways that you can do that and how you can approach different things in the Bible and Christian tradition um, over on thegracecourse.com. Both those resources completely free. Um, and as I said at the beginning as well, if you want to help me um, keep producing all this free content and, and doing all that I'm doing, um, you can become a partner or a Patreon over at phildrysdale.com slash partners or patreon.com slash phildrysdale. Um, and as a thank you for that, um, you know, a monthly gift of as little as $5 a month will get you access to private discussion group. Where we have like, some amazing discussions. It will get you access to um, there's a monthly Zoom call. There's some other perks on there, depending on how much you can um, afford to give um, things like Skype calls and things like that with me. Um, but as always, there's never any requirement to give. I'm still here. I'm still putting out um, great content for free. I'm still here to chat. If you need to chat with me, send me a message on Instagram and I'm happy to help um, in any way I can. Um, all right, that's enough for now. I will see you all on Thursday for my conversation with Will Thorpe, who is off heretical theology, um, which is going to be really, really fun. Um, he's an amazing guy and, and posts some phenomenal stuff, really interesting stuff. And so we're going to have a great conversation. And so I'll see you then on Thursday.